Hello, my name is Jeremy Schmidt, producer of all things Call Me By Your Game and Video Games, a comedy show related. Here to intro our very first episode of The Legend of Zelda Games Club that will be made exclusive to our Patreon at patreon.com slash supernpcradio at the $10 DJ Toad tier. Now, what makes this episode so special is that it's actually a recycled episode from a series that Connor does for our Patreon called Call Me By Your Game Co-op. He did such a fantastic job and such a thorough job with so many great guests that we decided why retread the same territory that he already covered not that long ago. We'll release this as the very first episode covering Breath of the Wild. So not only are you going to get this episode for free, but you will also get the next episode, The Legend of Zelda Games Club, episode two, covering the very first Legend of Zelda game on the NES. So enjoy this very special, this very free episode, and catch more of The Legend of Zelda Games Club at patreon.com slash supernpcradio. Welcome back to the Call Me By Your Game podcast. Uh, If you've listened to the show before, then you know that the Call Me By Your Game show is a podcast where I bring on a friend, normally just one, to talk about a game that is special to them and why. Uh, We dive into not only uh, what they loved about that particular game, but also what was special around the context of when they played it. This is where the show takes a turn. Uh, if you're listening to this episode, then welcome. You're actually listening to a special spin-off episode uh, that I guess jokingly I'll call Call Me By Our Game because oh. I'm not just going to be talking to one person. Okay. Ah, you like that one? <laughs> Take the Y out of the word and it's almost the same. Uh, we're going to be doing a group-style discussion today. This is going to be... Uh, if you're listening to this, um, you can hear it in a number of areas, but moving forward... This sort of group-style episode will be a Patreon-exclusive, a monthly show. Um, And the first one, the game we're going to be talking about today before I introduce our wonderful guests, is none other than a game that I think can't have just one person talk about, and that is The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Woo. All right. A little housekeeping uh, before I do introduce our guests. Uh, If you want to support the show, there's a few ways you can do that. Of course, you've always been able to rate and review us on the Apple Podcast Store. That helps our visibility. You can share the show with a friend. You can email us at callmebyyourgamepodcast at gmail.com. Visit our website at callmebyyourgame.com. But you can also now support us on Patreon. Um, the, there's a brand new Patreon that myself and Jeremy Schmidt are launching. And as if you're listening to this now, I guess it's launched, called Super NPC Radio. Uh, it's a little podcast network that we started uh, that we're going to have my show. We're going to have video games, a comedy show, uh, bonus episodes from each of those every month, and then a brand new show that we host called Super NPCs. Um, 
But uh, you can visit us at patreon.com slash supernpcradio and check us out there. Uh, I'll go ahead and just uh, just do start the best part of the show, and that's where I relieve the guests of just listening to me. So we're going to welcome our three wonderful guests today. Uh, first, I'd like to welcome actor, writer, improviser, and Deku Seed Seeker, Heather Woodward, to the show. Hey, Heather. Oh, Hello. So happy to have you. Glad to uh, be back. Uh, Thank famous, you. Famous for the episode, the Super Mario RPG episode. Not going to pretend to which, know which number that was. Um, our second guest for this episode today is a video producer for IGN, show host, and Beatle botherer, Nick Limone. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Good to see you again, dude. Good to hey. meet Mikey and Heather. Oops, I accidentally spoiled one. No, uh, hey, you know what? It was necessary. Just kind I of like it. No, no, let's, let's pack right, it right, in. Let's take it back. Let's take it back. All right, yeah, we're we'll start from the top. Yeah, All right. in fact, I might not even do the show anymore. Uh, just kidding. <laughs> like Breath of the Wild, sometimes the best things we discover are surprises. So thank you, Nick. Um, so I'll welcome our final guest for this episode. Improviser, actor, Prince of Seattle, and 100-year sleeper, Mikey Stevens. Great to be here. And also, thanks for revealing me, Nick. I don't like surprises. And so thanks for just putting me out into the world. So I appreciate it. I could sense that. Yeah. I could sense that from me. So I was just like, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna take the burden off of Connor and like, I'll just do it myself. Appreciate That's that, man. Very nice of you. Like, sometimes I think, you know, some people, uh, you know, don't want that sort of boundary crossed because it, it does feel like an invasion of space. But sometimes that's just what's best for somebody. So I'm going to just assume that's what's going on here. So thank you so much. Nick. <laughs> right, we're breaking down digital boundaries yeah. over here. That's yeah. what I do. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, COVID, for letting us break down digital boundaries. <laughs> um, uh, before we dive into... Uh, everybody's history and context uh with this game and then you know just the discussion of everything we want to talk about today um uh the reason that we wanted to do this show um like i've already said before this after having heather on my show and hear her talk about this game i was like well there's not just one person i need to hear about i need to hear from many people but i think that there are some games uh, even though several of them we've already done on the show could qualify in the same sense uh there are uh, several games that just uh, I think could demand a wider discussion and more of a deep dive into like what makes that particular game uh, great. We'll still, of course, talk about the history and context. That stuff is still very important, but um, just want to allow for more of a discussion because this game uh, is very uh, deep, uh, yeah. like a like an ogre. It's got layers. Um, so oh, that's yeah. not my favorite Austin Powers movie. <laughs> oh yeah that's my favorite austin powers movie too good quote, good quote. um so welcome to the call me by your game podcast uh we will just go ahead and just dive into the history and context of the legend of zelda breath of the wild um the three of you uh kind of like the show where like the normal show where i had you on and invited you to interject at any time share what you want to share about the history and context um please do i have a lot of stuff prepared but uh feel free to talk about this as we go through try and um, stop me <laughs> I, first of all i've talked to almost no one except for my husband for for months now <laughs> so if i'm coming in too hot that's that pull me back but also we're talking about one of my favorite things in the whole goddamn world mm -hmm. this, i love it this game i 
I love it. Um, well, perfect. Uh, we'll just dive in first before we like as we get into the history and context. I think it's important to talk about not only where the the Zelda franchise was, but where Nintendo was before this game came out. Um, I have some context I can share about that, but does anybody else feel like sharing about that? Yeah, I think uh, for me, my relationship to the Zelda franchise, that's what you asked, right? Relationship to Zelda. <laughs> so I was like miles away and I was hey. like, oh, I think I got to talk now. <laughs> Nick, you're okay. You, um, you are totally fine. Uh, let's Before we talk about like your personal experience, let's talk about like just where the franchise was and where, where Nintendo was before oh, Breath of the Wild came out. Yeah, definitely. I can do that. Um, hey, there you go, buddy. <laughs> so I, I think for the longest time, the Zelda franchise, beginning with Zelda on the NES, had been a very... Um, I think in, in, in an inciting incident in Nintendo's history as a games developer because it marked a kind of this is what an adventure game looks like in a post adventure for the Atari world where it's basically just an open-ended map that kind of gives the player the ability to explore at their whim and desire. They can do whatever they want. There's no clear objective other than gathering all these pieces of the Triforce and ultimately defeating Ganon. But for the most part, the game tells you that and then just dumps you in a map and says, <laughs> have fun exploring. <laughs> and I think over the years, Nintendo and I think um, R&D 1, I believe they're the ones who have developed um, Zelda predominantly over the course of the years, have kind of iterated and stripped away some of the designs from Zelda, um, marking like an entry to 3D with Ocarina of Time, which felt a lot more streamlined and a lot more linear in progression just because there was a, a brand new dimension to explore. So they didn't want people to get overwhelmed, but then transitioned to GameCube and ultimately the Wii and I think you started to see a dwindling of um, I think <sighs> Nintendo's ability to let the like trust the players instead Nintendo felt an obligation to kind of hold the player's hand and say okay you're gonna go over here mm -hmm. and then you're gonna do this and then after this you're gonna go over here and I think nothing is more indicative of that than um, the final Wii Zelda release of Skyward Sword which was very much hey you're not on an adventure you're on the adventure we're telling you you're gonna be <laughs> on and you are gonna fly to this island and that's and you're gonna like it buddy um, sure. and so I think when when Breath of the Wild finally came out, um, it, it had been very much a, a, a break in departure and habit from Nintendo because no longer were people listening to the old guard at Nintendo saying, hey, this is how Zelda's always been, buddy. Um, and they had started to <laughs> really embrace a lot of the younger faces in the company because for the first time ever, I'm not actually like they worked with Capcom before to put out like Oracle of Ages, Oracle of Seasons and stuff like that. And Minish Cap, both. Fant all fantastic games, but um, especially for a AAA release on a like flagship console for Nintendo, Nintendo partnered with Monolith Soft, a third-party Japanese developer who made Xenoblade Chronicles, an open-world RPG. So they said, we know what Zelda is, so we can build the story beats. You know how to do an open world, so we're just going to be hands-off and let you do your thing, and we'll do our thing, and then... The two have a beautiful like handshake, and then we got Breath of the Wild. Ugh. Well said. Damn. Love and, 
I'm gonna, I'm yeah. gonna break it down how Nick did, but better. All right, here we go. Uh, <laughs> please, there's, please, there's sorry, no, I spoke too long. No, no. I, there's no way I'm following that up. Uh, Connor, we good? We good here? Perfect. I think uh, all like I think that is a lot of what I would have shared too. I, and I think the important thing that you that you shared was how it, to put it in almost bullet points is like. Originally, the franchise was about exploration and discovery. That changed over the years, even though people still loved the games for the most part. And then this game brought us back to that and in a quite a spectacular way that I don't think a lot of people would have expected. Um, uh, it, it, I remember how handholdy those games had become. And I also understand that I'm a person who is content with a lot and like puts up with stuff and like doesn't understand when something's not as fun like just the fact that I was playing a Zelda game which had some uh very very admirable qualities and some qualities that are some of my favorites in the series in Skyward Sword I was able to kind of just like ignore the problems that it had where uh I was reminded this week doing some research that there's a point in one of the last dungeons where uh you're guide fee the voice of the master sword tells you that reminds you that you can hit switches by shooting them with your arrows and at that point i was like i had kind of forgotten how severe it was um but uh and you're like so that's i'm almost done with the game (laughs) (laughs) exactly why would you tell me this beginner thing now (laughs) truly if i can't figure this out at this point yikes um (laughs) i feel like that was a really great uh uh putting us in a really great position of knowing where Zelda was going into this game. Um, and I briefly also want to touch on where Nintendo was, because uh, I think it, it's very important to understand that, because personally, to me, it kind of feels like that this game launching with the Switch mm. kind of saved Nintendo Big in time. a way. Um, how many of you, do any of you have a Wii U? <laughs> no. No, Nick uh, and I. Uh, I leached <laughs> off my brother sometime, but for uh. I, I talked about this a little bit last time. I like in adulthood fell off consoles a little bit, mostly because I was like treating it like an addiction. I was like, if it's in my home, I'm going to play it, and I'm not going to do anything else. And I don't have same, the control same, to do that. Guilty. Um, so, <laughs> um, so uh, uh, I would I would dabble in whoever else's I could and. It wasn't until the Switch came out that I was like, I can't not get a Switch. Yeah. What am I going to do? Miss this? This is amazing. Yeah. So, um, no to the Wii. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's crazy. It's cool, that- but it's like not... It's not the gimmick they you thought you it was. You didn't miss much. Exactly. Let's be honest. <laughs> I played enough of it at friends' houses and with my brother and stuff that I was like, okay, this is a fun place to visit, but I don't need to live here. Yeah, it's it almost is surprising to me that half of the people on this episode had a Wii U because that is not representative <laughs> of how many people actually. I think oh yeah, sold we're, we're dorks in this room, so it's <laughs> fine. Like we're we're expected to have it. Fun fact: I'm always within ten feet of two Wii U's because both <laughs> my roommate and I have a Wii U. That's Once we not moved even during the pandemic. That's just no, that's, like, just, that's always been the case. Keep it in the car and. <laughs> <laughs> Dick, I think you in your household have like 7% of the Wii U's in California. I, I, ha- I have a problem, man. <laughs> yeah. 
I love it. Um, kind of, so it kind of as we were discussing, Nintendo was in a really bad place. Um, obviously, uh, the Wii was incredibly successful, sold um, over a hundred million copies. I, I don't remember the full the total amount here, but that was. Uh, this has been recounted before, but that was almost just because it was like the thing that everybody could do and everybody could play. Like grandparents were interested in playing this system because you could, because Wii Sports was pretty dang good. Um, and the old the, people the, love those Wii Sports. They That's do. The thing. They were like, I can play tennis inside. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting on a couch, just flicking my wrist. Absolutely. Yeah. I still, I still it, really it, like the idea of having like stock games come with the system. Oh, yeah. I think that was like, yeah. cool. Oh, yeah. I just think they should yeah. do that again. They totally. should have done that for the Switch, honestly. Yeah. Like, one, two Switch should have been packed in with the Nintendo 100%. Switch. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. In, instead, some of us, pointing at myself, <laughs> were fools and bought it on launch day for 50 bucks, and I really shouldn't have done that. <laughs> um, uh, so the Wii was incredibly successful. The Wii U was not. It sold a little over 12 million co- copies, maybe 13 million by this point, um, but had really... Um, really done uh, not to Nintendo any services they were doing uh, really poor as far as console sales go uh, was kind of unsure where the company was going to head of course with the debut of The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild on March 3rd 2017 uh, the Switch also launched and I don't know about you all but I remember seeing the trailer for the Switch Mm-hmm. coming out and I, as soon as i saw the trailer i was like oh suddenly something f- clicked in my brain and i was like oh i'm back into video games in a you big way you could say something same. switched same, same, same. in your brain hey that's where everyone turned off the podcast <laughs> <laughs> that's what I, i'm here I for was, baby i was the same first it was it was oh nintendo's coming out with a new console and it's just got this fabulous uh, uh, set of features and I was like cool and then I saw the Zelda trailer and I was like I can think of nothing else until I get this game yeah my memory of the Switch trailer is like there's like kids at a skate park and they're not skateboarding they're playing Switch Uh, (laughs) that's my memory is like (laughs) the Switch is cooler than skateboarding uh, while you're outside at the skate park (laughs) And that's a I mean, madman level yeah. ad campaign right there. <laughs> hey. Oh yeah, it, it's cooler than rooftop parties and gatherings. I yeah, I just that the switch obviously is 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 huge, has been huge, uh, has sold. I think as as of March uh, of this year, at the end of their fourth quarter of sales it sold somewhere close to like 60 million uh units which is amazing it continues uh to do well the software sales are amazing and nintendo's back in a huge way i wouldn't go as far to say like nintendo's on top because that almost feels a little subjective um but this console and this game uh did a lot for um for the company and for games in general um i'm gonna dive into a little bit more of the history and context i'll just kind of blow through um some bullet points and then we'll move on um 
for those of you who may not know who are listening to this show and actually don't know a lot about this particular game, uh, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild is an action-adventure open-world game developed and published by Nintendo for the Nintendo Switch and Wii U. Um, It was a launch title for the Switch, as we said, on March 3rd, 2017, and is considered by many to be one of the greatest, if not the greatest game of all time. Uh, Like Nick was saying earlier, it breaks away from the recently typical Zelda formula and lends itself to non-linear gameplay, having a focus on exploration, and is a return to the roots of the original Legend of Zelda title. Um, It received immediate critical acclaim upon release, uh, is the best-selling Zelda game of all time, and received several Game of the Year awards, um, besting games like Super Mario Odyssey, Horizon Zero Dawn, and a few others. Um, Nick, I actually think I remember when this... uh, game came it was coming out that week and leading up to that friday where the switch where my switch was going to arrive with zelda and i think did you get to play this game early i got to play it like basically a zero hour because i okay. worked at i worked at a company where my boss would got a, a nintendo switch early and he got actually you're right i played it like two days early jealous <laughs> he, he got a switch early and a copy of breath of the wild and he's like nick do you want to review it for the show and i was like absolutely yes i do and so uh, i got to pl- i got to play it for about 48 hours 72 hours and then um because there was an embargo attached to it they basically said hey do you want to play this for like 24 hours and see if you can beat it like on a live stream oh my god and so we just like we, we like my roommate and i um we just spent the night at the studio and then at 2 a.m we woke up because that's when the embargo lifted and so i just started a blind speed run of the game to basically <laughs> try and complete the game within the span of 24 hours Holy i was shit a mess i got to ganon at the end of it but i just i was i was so underpowered by the end of my run that i just got my ass handed to me and like i was fading i was my stomach hurt it was just it was it was a mess it was great though oh my god and since then like i've played the game like to completion like three times since then so like that early experience did not sour me It, it only made me love the game even more I'm so glad that it didn't sour it for you. I've, I've, I've actually thought about that kind of leading up to the show, thinking about what your experience was like and kind of what it's like for people to review, to like play games for specifically like news outlets and stuff to play games in advance and how that sometimes might feel. It's like, you're not actually getting to maybe not getting to enjoy the game the same way you normally would. So I'm glad that didn't happen for you nick um, yeah and if that company's hiring again before the sequel comes know, out God. <laughs> you let me know oh for sure for sure I, I do think that there is like an experience i mean connor you touched on a great notion of the idea of reviewing a game under an, an embargo deadline there is a tendency to like oh i just gotta power through this game and see credits on it so that no mm-hmm. one on twitter will yell at me that that sort of thing yeah, yeah. but i think when you do that you kind of are at odds with some of the beauty that's kind of innately designed into these giant massive sprawling open worlds like there's something about just simply existing in the world of breath of the wild um that really is just you you can't beat it like it, it you don't have to be actively reaching an objective in the game just existing in it and and mm-hmm. consuming space within it is so much 
more impressive and I think speaks volumes about why we still talk about the game to this day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've, I've, I've been saying this for years. My current retirement plan is to move to Terrytown. <laughs> so, what? I think about I mean, it a lot. You, are you going to build it up from ground zero? Oh boy. Only if it's on that teeny tiny, very tall island. I love it. Um, I'll kind of wrap up our. In uh, in fact, I don't have to wrap it up. I'll keep finishing out this history and context. I've loved as we've had jumping off points. So if we keep having those, let's dive into stuff. A um, little bit of development history. Uh, development lasted for five years in an attempt to reinvent the series. Nintendo introduced elements such as a detailed physics engine, high definition visuals, and voice acting, which actually had never been done in a Zelda game. Yes. Um, can I before? Can I say something yeah, about please. that? Or yeah. Seeing. After they put out that initial amazing trailer where he's shield surfing all over the place, um, <laughs> he uh, uh, when they started putting out longer clips that showed just little bits of the cutscenes, I it was so jarring to hear them actually talk that I like <laughs> almost felt spooked by it. I was like, "Oh, what is this going to be? I can hear yeah. Zelda," and of mm. course, we'd never hear Link. You're not, you never can <laughs> yeah. or will. But. Uh, yeah, it. I I hadn't clocked how mind blowing that would be until I saw it happen. I hadn't even clocked that it, that was the case. You always hear the little like gibberish talk in the background, but yes. then hearing them talk, putting legit voice actors in there is wild. It really is, uh, and I think you, you put it in a good way where it's it's like you knew it was coming, sort of, even if you had heard about it. But even just mm-hmm. hearing it in, in itself is like. A, a jarring experience mm-hmm. um uh which at least it was for me and it still is kind of we'll talk about the voice acting more in more detail a little later um but uh but it's still a little jarring to me at times um like nick said a little earlier um it they worked with monolith soft and they ended up assisting in you know designing the landscapes the top- topography helped with the open world aspects of the game uh it was produced by ag aonuma directed by hitamaro fujibayashi written by akihiro tora and the lead artist was satoro takizawa um the King game of the mountain. hey there we are Lord of the uh the game begins a uh, little context about the actual context of the game itself uh, begins with Link awakening from a hundred year slumper slump slumper well, don't know what that is slumber <laughs> Link has uh, been in a slump for a hundred years and he's gotta do something else <laughs> right Link's gonna change his life uh, uh, he wakes from a hundred year slumber to defeat Calamity Ganon before it can destroy the kingdom of Hyrule before his slumber Link was one of Princess Zelda's five champions and was tasked with protecting her unfortunately Ganon possesses the guardian ended up possessing the guardians and divine beasts and turns them against Hyrule and after killing King Rome and the other champions Ganon gravely wounds Link Zelda sends him into a slumber so that he may heal over the next hundred years, and she simultaneously seals Ganon in Hyrule Castle and freezes herself. Upon waking up, Link meets an old man who is the spirit of King Rome, learns of Zelda's plight, and begins his quest to save Hyrule. Um, As far as the game history and context goes, um, is there anything that you didn't get to, you guys didn't get to jump in and add on that you feel like doing now? Okay, cool. We'll move on. Um, before we dive into like uh, to 
the the big meaty discussion of the game. Like I said earlier, I do want to get an idea of what it was like, and we kind of started to dive in with Nick already about your personal history and context of when you first played this game, when you kind of fell in love with it, and maybe even if you want to add experiences of other playthroughs that were special to you. Um, that's the sort of stuff I want to hear about. So why don't we start with you, Heather? Um, my first question for you is. Did you get this game at launch? When did you get this one? So I didn't get it at launch uh, because at launch I was poor. Uh-huh. Um, so I didn't get a Switch. Um, I, As I'm about to tell the story, I apologize if I told it the last time I was on. I feel like I did. Um, hey, all good. Uh, uh, I uh, uh, wanted a Switch so badly and specifically only to play this game. And... <laughs> Uh, it came out while my husband and I were wedding planning and, uh, I kind of as a joke, as we were filling up our (laughs) registry was like, let's register for a switch. I mean, registries are not, people have to get you gifts. You put a lot of stuff on there. Nobody's going to be stuck getting us a switch. So I was like, we'll put it on. Somebody wants to get us a switch. They'll get us a switch. But it's not, it's mostly just to be like, aren't we a fun young couple? Um, (laughs) And then like immediately a friend of mine got it for me. Uh, Uh. My my token rich friend. So she she, the one who was like, I'm going to go high and I was like, yeah. I don't feel bad taking this gift from you. That's um, I'm going to invite that friend to my wedding if that's okay. <laughs> I Assuming recommend you get married it. Yeah. Um, but then a, I, even a couple of other friends with jobs were like, oh my God, I thought that was so cool. I wanted to get that for you because it's like, who wants plates? I want to get you something fun. And I, and we, me and my husband say it a lot. It's the best gift we got. <laughs> it's the silliest thing to register for, but like, it's a thing that we use in our home a lot. Um, so I started playing it right after that. Uh, so that, so it wasn't on launch for me, but oh boy, oh boy, did it deliver. Hey, that's, you know what? You got to experience it at some point, and that's all that really matters. Yep. Um, when you did get to play it, uh, you uh, you obviously got it for your wedding. F- you know, famously, Heather, it's hard to forget your wedding day, which was oh. even though I wasn't there, which is uh, was December thirty first, twenty seventeen. Yeah. Okay. There you oh go. Oh my goodness. Um. So did you you got that for your wedding? You didn't get that before. Did you end up playing it afterwards? Not the night of your wedding, but like, you know, <laughs> we, I mean, we did maybe get did. it before, actually. The, the, okay. A lot of people more more often than not, when you register for gifts, it comes with the option of mail it directly to home or whoever bought it can have it sent to them and then they bring it to the wedding. And oh. it's become very, very, very regular for like 90 percent of gifts to just get sent straight to the couple uh, because it's just like less shit to lug. Yeah. It's like the wrapping and everything. We all know the saga dance. So it's like people just send the gifts and some some couples will say like, no, we're not going to open anything until the wedding wedding comes it's like waiting for your christmas presents um we did not do that and i also don't recommend it because then you have like a million boxes piling up and like then you have to do all the thank you cards anyway so we were opening them as we got them and getting our thank you cards ready and everything so we got that game good and early (laughs) ayo i I love that i was already deep in before 
before the wedding. Amazing. Um, so do what do you remember? Do you remember anything about the context of when you first played that game? Like, were you stuck on the couch for hours? Were you like working a lot and you couldn't play it until like late at night? Like, what was that like? For you? I think it was actually uh, traveling. Okay. We, we went. I can't remember why. It might have been Thanksgiving. That timeline makes sense to me now. Okay. Um, but we were in New Jersey at my dad's house and had brought the switch because we were like, well, this is perfect time. We're not going to be doing anything else. are in a switch commercial else. at that point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and so didn't really open it up uh, until I got to Jersey because uh, me and my husband kind of like played two player stuff on the plane so that we were <laughs> could oh, share nice. the gift. Yeah. It wasn't just for me. Um, but then it was in New Jersey. I was like, let's crack this thing open and Ooh. like could not believe what I was looking at. It's, wow. it's just, it it's so pretty. And I'm, I'm definitely the video gamer out of the two of us. Oh, okay. I said that like I'm a narc. I'm the gamer out of the <laughs> two of us. Um, and uh, my husband dabbles, plays more now as an adult, but he didn't have any when he was a kid. So that's why. But he is an animator. And so yes. he comes at the appreciation from a whole different angle. I love art and animation, but he gets it in a bigger way. So him looking over my shoulder watching me play the game and seeing the design was also bowled over and he had mm. never played an open world game like this. And he almost, almost immediately after me picked it up. What, what a game to start with. Man. I know. <laughs> I know. He's still a little like, like you spoiled him. I know yeah. he's still a little cold feet about going into other ones just cause it's like such a big task. But I was like, you, I mean, you've played the Cadillac of them now. You, you, mm-hmm, for you real. can play anything if you want. Where do you go from Breath of the Wild. I know that's the one problem is that none yeah. of them are totally going to compare. Yeah, goodness. I'm uh, still uh, chasing that high. Yeah, I, I'm glad you shared the specificity of you being the gamer and playing it cuz I was going to ask like how did you share that cuz right. that would be really tough. Um that's really cool. Also, shout out to your husband, who's an incredible artist, oh, David Kantrowitz. David Kantrowitz. Uh, just a super, super swell guy and super great artist. Uh, mm. So if anyone's listening, look him up. He's He makes great stuff. Yeah, you've, you've seen his stuff around. He's, he's, he's around. He's one of those cool guys. He's one of those guys. Um, You'd be like, I know that art. I love it. <laughs> Uh, Heather, is there anything else about like your personal context of like when you played it that you wanted to share before we move on? Ooh, I, um, it's just the feeling of chasing that high after it's done, mm-hmm. like played, played it so intense. So just unblinking the first time round. then the DLC came out and I was like, oh, well, yeah. well, fuck me. I got to play it all over again. <laughs> uh, and, uh, uh, so played it all over again. And then I was so sad when I didn't have anything left that I was like, well, I guess I gotta try to get a hundred percent completion. Uh, <laughs> and motherfucker, I got to, sorry, are we swearing? I'm swearing. We are, we are swearing. Uh, I've already, uh, <laughs> <laughs> my bad um You're all I, good. I uh i got to something like 99.8 which is as high of a percentage as you can get without getting one korok seed 
Oh my gosh. Uh. <laughs> and I had, by that point, I had worked so hard to find them all and I had the mask and all that. Um, and I got to like 700. And then I was like, I, I, I'm having the worst time finding these last 200. This is an insane task anyway. I'm going to oh. cheat my way through this. I looked up a guide and was like, I'm at, I'm just going to go get them to experience where they all are. Totally. And so I went like in small, I went in like quadrants through the map, combing it to make sure I got every one. And it took forever. And oh then I gosh. realized I was missing one. And I was like, I can't, oh. I have to go back to living my life. <laughs> I have to call it defeat now. Oh, wow. So and I, I backed off. What must be a little extra difficult about that is that's not like an objective that you can look up in your inventory and be like, or your, like a mission list and be like, oh, this is the one I didn't get or I got all these. So that's the one that's missing. You just have to find it. I combed the whole map foot by foot with that dumb looking mask on. Yours <laughs> mask? The the, the um uh, uh Korok mask. The oh, one of that's course, of course. that that jingles whenever yes. you're near one. Um <laughs> and which was really funny too because then I was like, okay, well, now I've just got to finish the game. Let me go let me go back and do Ganon one more time. <laughs> but I forgot yeah. whatever outfit you're wearing during the final battle <laughs> is what you're going to see in that gorgeous cut scene at the end with yes. him and Zelda. So it like panned from Zelda being like, do you remember me to him wearing the stupid mask? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I've, I've logged too many hours and I am now in the beginning of my third replay. Amazing. Because I'm just like missing it. The, the I'm not, I told you this before we were recording, but I'm not teleporting. And we'll see yes. how long that lasts. I don't know if it, it's pretty, uh, like it's pretty tedious, but it's, it makes it feel more like a scavenger hunt. Yeah. Um, and you have to be a little more sneaky ninja about it because if you don't get to those statues and you don't get to level up your hearts or your stamina, uh, I've, I've just got like a pocket full of orbs and, and, yeah. <laughs> and four hearts. So everything is stronger than me. So uh, yeah. I'm just writing it out. But I also switched the, um, you mentioned the voice actors. Um, I switched the voice acting to Italian. I kept the subtitles oh. in English, but I switched it to Italian because I've been learning Italian for a couple of years. So I was like, well, let me, let me listen to Zelda now in a different language. Nice. That's really cool. Basically, I'm um, saying I need a new game. Hey, we'll we'll, we'll do our. We'll, that's our task today, Nick and Mikey, is to put our heads together, come up with a perfect game for Heather by the end of Pitch the year. I mean, Breath of the Wild Two might come out next year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 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 yeah. I don't. I don't want to get ahead of it if that's on the schedule to talk, but I I want to talk about that too much. It, don't you worry. It is on. It's on the docket. Okay. Um, I've already but, talked too long. I I yield the floor. No, hey, you're fine. This is like uh, I I want to allow for a lot of time for everybody today um, in our context and in everything else. So don't feel bad whatsoever. Um, I will. I was gonna say just add on to your thing a little bit, Heather. Was that it must be so hard if you're doing this no teleportation mm-hmm. uh, period because if you don't have like a certain amount of stamina, you can you know if you have stamina, it's easy to go. Okay, I don't won't teleport. I'm still gonna climb that mountain. I'm gonna go this tower and fly off somewhere else but if you don't have stamina you're just on the ground yep there's a lot Uh. of now that i've like covered a little more ground uh i've got like i want to say three towers down right now and Mm. and so i'm i'm 
not deep in, but I'm, I'm far enough that, um, I got a lot of food so I can, I can make oh, a cool. bunch of refills. Um, so it's a lot of me going to whatever the nearest tower is getting up there and then just like flying to whatever I need to get to. Yep. Ugh. That's the shortest way. Cause climbing mountains is impossible right now. Yeah, for real. Well, uh, well, thank you for sharing your history and context. I love it. I'm sure we'll get more details as we go through the show. Oh my goodness. Next, thank you. Uh, yeah, of course. Um, Nick, we kind of got our, a little bit of when you first played the game already. Um, but again, it's your time. So if you want to talk more about that, uh, go for it. But I will ask you about following playthroughs as well. So uh, where do you want to start, Nick? Take us yeah, down the road. I mean, outside of like the early playthrough that I got a chance to experience. The fever the, dream. Yeah, the fever dream. The <laughs> one thing that sticks out to me about that is when I was on the car ride home, like as soon as I got home, I just played Breath of the Wild again. Like, <laughs> like it, it, it really had its, it really had its hooks in me. So, yeah. was, and, 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 and like Heather, like I bu- I ended up, you know, it wasn't my switch and it wasn't my copy of the game. So I ended up buying a switch and a copy of Breath of the Wild day one because I, I, I too was poor, but, uh, I also have made poor life decisions and poured all of my skill points into just video games yeah. and talking about video games. So well, it's, it's been my, it's been my curse. Yeah, it's part of my job. That's how I'll justify it. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. It's part of my job, too. It's part of my job. That's why I do it. 28 years yep. justified yeah. right there. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a cabin home designer. You design an entire town in Breath of the Wild. Thank so you. It all works out. <laughs> um, but outside of that, though, I, I guess really it's just it, it was just one of those things like, like it had been a long time since uh, there was a game that I just couldn't stop thinking about. Mm-hmm. Even when I wasn't playing it, I think the last time that it happened was like 2006 when uh, Elder Scrolls Four Oblivion came out on the Xbox 360. And it was just it it tapped into the same thing that Breath of the Wild did is it was just very much a world that had its own agency, its own agenda. And it seemed to go on even if I wasn't there to observe it. And that was the thing that was so exciting to me, because that really is my favorite part of fiction is the world building, the 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 space that exists that you know something that i wish i could be a part of if there was like some weird magic portal for uh fantasy that i could just hop inside and like oh wow this is the world i want to live in forever and so if if it felt very much like that kind of a relationship with the game and uh, as a result like i i think i spent a lot of subsequent playthroughs just kind of uh really trying to understand the world of Hyrule and why it was made the way it was like from a design standpoint and also just like uh, an in-game lore perspective because like I'm just a huge sucker for fake video game histories so like I want to know you know there is like a pretty substantial like there's a, a tribe of barbarians um I can't remember their name off the, the top of my head people? Yeah, I, I think it's the Farron. Their their uh, hieroglyphs are all around the yeah. map. They're the ones who have the um the barbarian outfit that yep. Link can get in the game. That's yeah, their and then, tribe. And, and where the um uh uh the jungle is yes that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's that was their their own homeland so like there is an entire culture there to discover with their own alphabet if you want to pay attention and and observe that so like just really taking that in and and really just 
kind of loving the how different every single uh, little village is how there's villages that you'll probably never come across if you just play the main story and just it was just mm. so cool because someone thought of an entire ecosystem of, of a game and and different regions that all behaved the way they should and i, and I love that oh it's mm. so it's so special Agreed. and so that that's that's my relationship to the game where it's just like I wish I could be the 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 video game historian of Hyrule, you know, right? And trying to and trying to and trying to understand how it all fits in in the, that that pesky Zelda timeline. Oh boy, I, <laughs> I God, and the Easter eggs are mind boggling. They're so good. the little it's bits of of the layout of Ocarina of Time that show up in the rubble oh, yeah. of Hyrule, and God, and, and the beauty of it is it's it's not like it's. It's fan service done the way fan service should be, where yes. it's just a wink and a nudge, but it's not like, hey guys, look, we put the <laughs> Temple of Time in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just it's not, icing it's not on distracting. the cake. Not, yeah, yeah. It doesn't. And it, it lends credibility to the idea that all of the games took place in this universe to some extent, and we are seeing the remnants of a lost society. And so it's like you, you are mm-hmm. kind of playing historian that way, yeah. which is so like beautiful to me. I, I love that. I saw really funny post that was um, you know like on the far east side of the map like, what a insanely specific thing I'm saying <laughs> yeah. but there's like a little section that has like a handful of craters just like there's uh-huh. like kind of nothing yeah. there and then there's some craters and there's like a Korok and like a, a Talus to fight um, I saw somebody post that was like hey I think this is where Majora's Mask happened <laughs> because of the moon hitting and just a destroyed landscape yeah. Yeah. oh that's so funny and oh. I, I don't know if that's true or not it's probably not but it really See, but, tickled but like, me I, I love that the game asks those questions or poses mm-hmm. those questions like oh is this like a, a this memory of my childhood like this seems so familiar and so it's evoking zelda history and nostalgia in ways that i don't think video games typically do because i think usually if you're relying on nostalgia for your game Mm -hmm. it's usually not a great game because you're relying on hey remember when you were happier yeah (laughs) I, I, i also just saw i i've my uh instagram like curated search page whatever that page is called it's yeah. been discover. more my discover page has been like more and more zelda memes I, it's <laughs> nice it's a real problem um but i saw one that like really blew my mind pretty like a couple of weeks ago there's like one angle of one mountain ridge in breath of the wild that if you're looking at it at the right direction it's the same uh, it's the same mountain layout as the original 8-bit Zelda or 16-bit, um, whatever that was, uh, it, of the title screen. You get like little bits of mountain like implied. Where Link is like, he's like crouched down and at the at like a, a cliffside and you see the mountain yeah. off in the distance. Uh, I think that that's the twin, the, the diamond peak or the twin peak mountain. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You see, where it's like two um, like mm-hmm. complementing mountains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're totally right. It's crazy. It's such a deep cut. Who is it for? Yeah, seriously. And, and again, that seems, unless it's something that, that Nintendo put out there, that it's something that someone had to find and post and then catch traction and then everyone realize wow this is calling back to that yeah uh that's awesome uh nick you said you've played through this game uh several times 
um, <laughs> when you first really got to sit down and play through it um, that first time, how were you playing it? Were you were you able? Were you just like was that all you were doing? What was that like for you? Uh, that's basically how I spent <laughs> any of my free time. Um, I remember the first time I played through it of my own accord. Uh, I it I was actually um, I took it on my trip to Japan. Um, it had been my second time that I was in Japan, and I just remember this real chill ass moment where I was chilling in the like the hot springs in that I was at oh, yeah. and and you know it was like pouring rain outside I had a little sake ready for me just ate dinner and it's just sipping some sake and just exploring hot springs in Breath of the Wild exploring like <laughs> a beautiful countryside that I could literally like look up and I was like, Oh, oh yeah, I see, God. I see the direct inspiration here. So it was just what like, is your life? Why is your life so tight? <laughs> yeah. I, I poured all my skill points into only video games. Don't you dare ask me a math question. <laughs> but it's just like, I definitely like to like role play when it comes to my video games where I like to like, okay, how would link behave in this situation? Yeah. So I like to, you know, Oh, I'm going to take photos of, things i'm gonna you know try and make different foods i'm gonna try and talk to everyone and see if i can you know if there's any hidden quests like i very much took my time with it and um unlike heather i didn't quite 99.8 percent it i probably got to 99.4 i think i stopped <laughs> i i tapped out at like 500 caroxies i was like i think i'm good that's that's i don't need the golden poop i've gotten everything i need out of this oh god and once i figured out that that's what the goal was i was, I was like yeah the joke is on me here that's amazing <laughs> oh my gosh um Last quick question for you, Nick, before we talk to Mikey is that, and Heather, I don't think I asked this to you, so I'd love to hear from both of you, is that were you both Zelda fans coming into this game? Like, what was your history with the franchise uh, in so many words? Either of you. Uh, for, for me, um, I was definitely a huge Zelda fan. Mm -hmm. um, I think my love of Zelda started with Link to the Past. Um, the, the one thing that like really stuck out to me in that game was, you know, Link's dad slash mentor dying in the game and is like, sorry, son, here's your sword. Figure it out. And I was just like, how, he, how could he do that to his kid, man? Like, that's wild. And so, like, that always struck me as, like, the, the hero's journey and why I always wanted to be in, like, work in video games to some extent because, like, I just like that framing device of, like, mm -hmm. all right, well, sorry, you gotta, you gotta figure this thing out, man. And so, over the years, I played all of the Zelda games, but I, I kind of slowly found myself getting soured by Zelda with every release um, I think following Wind Waker because Wind Waker and Majora's Mask were like peak I'm in love with Zelda mm. um, but after that like with Twilight Princess and um, Skyward Sword and Four Swords Adventure like it just I, I felt like it was like almost I had outgrown Zelda to some extent where mm. it felt like it was made for children because yeah. it is made for children mm -hmm. but it, it felt like there were other games that were more challenging or doing things that were more interesting to me as a teenager and so i i just been like oh like the nintendo wii zelda smoothed off all the edges of zelda and made something that's for everyone which is totally fine mm -hmm. but it just wasn't exactly what i wanted so once i saw breath of the wild i was like i feel like this looks different 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'd gotten really into Dark Souls by this time. Okay. And so this game had definitely tapped into the a, a Dark Souls kind of state of mind that I was like, oh, yeah, this looks like it's exactly my jam. And that was right. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Heather? Um, yeah, I, I played them growing up. Um, I, uh, I think I had them all when I was a kid. Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm aging myself, but whatever. Um, but yeah, I was, I was, I was playing the Nintendo ones. Um, it was uh, Ocarina of Time. That was definitely the first game that ever uh, like truly blew my mind. Yeah. Uh, uh, which I think is probably true for a lot of people. I mean, that game is so special. Oh yeah. Um, but uh and i played some of majora's mask but uh i think that coincided with me going to college or if not dating boys um (laughs) some distraction (laughs) yeah whatever it was i wasn't playing video games um so um but I really liked it. Um, so, and then also, I, I took a console break for a little bit. So I missed um, I missed a handful of them. I missed Wind Raker and uh, Skyward Sword and um, uh, 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 Twilight Princess, which I'm really interested in now because it seems like the sequel might. Again, I'm jumping ahead, but it sounds really interesting to me. I again didn't play them, so I'm a little relieved to hear that. Like maybe therefore. It, their edges have been sanded off. I think that's such a good analogy. Mm-hmm. Um, I know more about them than I should for not having played them. But, <laughs> uh, but I, I am interested in them, but only because Breath of the Wild exists now. Yeah. Interesting. Well, very, very, very cool. I definitely recommend at least if you get the chance to play Twilight Princess. Mm-hmm. I think now you either have to have a copy on the Wii, a Wii U remake copy, which is kind of pricier than i would have liked because i've been trying to like buy that retroactively and then or gamecube version but anyway um, gamecube get out of here just you know what nintendo should just release it on the on the like the e-shop anyway like they should release way more stuff but they um, absolutely should i feel it feels a little crazy that 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 would be such an easy sell for them it would and a lot of other things um yes mr michael stevens Yes, sir. You, I, in fact, I want to just say up front, I specifically asked you to come on the show because you played this game more recently than any of us. You played this within the last year for the first time, and I wanted to have someone on the show who would have at least a different perspective as far as like um, you weren't there when it first happened. So I want to hear about your history with this game too. Yeah. Uh, and not only was I not there, I... Uh, I, and I didn't know that I was doing this at the time, but the switch, I got my switch this past December. Um, and similarly to what Heather was saying, I was like, I need to play breath of the wild. And <laughs> so I need to have, I need to have a switch. Um, but yeah, so it's both the switch and Zelda I got it at the same time. So it was kind of like my launch release, my personal launch there you go. release. Yeah. You were just in a. You were uh, that, just cryogenically frozen before. Yeah, you know, I, you know, a couple of years late, but um, yeah. So the last and the last Nintendo system I had was like a 3DS. Cool. Um, so I'm not. I'm neither a huge Zelda fan, 
uh, nor a huge Nintendo uh, fan for a long time. Is definitely I grew up with a Nintendo in the house. Uh, later had a Super Nintendo, but shifted as far as consoles are concerned to PlayStation. Um, and so this was like all kinds of an awakening for me where I was like, Nintendo's the greatest, Zelda's the greatest. <laughs> uh, what, what was I ever doing? Um, but I, man, th- this game, I haven't had a game like straight up make me feel like a child, like a ch- childlike wonder mm-hmm. in, I don't, I don't even remember maybe like the first time I ever saw a video game yeah. or something. Like it was like that kind of a feeling uh, playing this game. And um, I'm glad Nick brought up like um, Oblivion and the Elder Scrolls games um, because I'm a huge fan of open world um, games in general. I really like open world games. So I loved Skyrim. Um, I loved Oblivion too. I thought The Witcher Mm -hmm. 3 was incredible. But something that um, you briefly touched on was like like how you just wanted to be in this world. You just wanted to be in there. And like Skyrim and The Witcher 3, like they're dismal and they're like gross and it's like medieval and there's like horse shit everywhere. It's harsh. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's harsh. <laughs> and it's as far as like, as rich and like, like, uh, you know, the gameplay wise, like so detailed and the stories are so incredible. Like, I don't want to be in there forever. You know, eventually I'm like, I get the fuck out of here. Right? You know what I mean? Like, uh, this skeletons uh gross i don't know what i'm trying to say uh but (laughs) zelda Zelda just like you just want to exist in that world uh forever um and they really really nailed um truly like out the gate kind of like do whatever you want like Go walk over there if you want. Or like if you see a mountain in the distance and you're like, I want to climb that. You can do it. Uh, Which I think is like probably the most important element to doing an open world correctly is like uh, the, the, the amount that you can do isn't limited by your imagination. You know what I mean? There's like, and, and it rewards you for, for adventure. It re- really rewards you. Like if you pick a direction and you walk in it, you're rewarded for that. Like you discover something or you find a seed or you, wh- whatever it is, you go like, um, it doesn't, the game doesn't ever like steer you back onto any kind of rails at any time. Um, so yeah, I just was like, I was completely blown away by this game and this, for me, kind of felt like my first Zelda in a, in a lot of ways. Mm. Where, um, because I didn't have a 64, I had a PlayStation. So when people were talking about Ocarina of Time and that like fervor and that like connection for me and the game I talked about, that was you know something like Metal Gear Solid or one of those PlayStation titles, Final mm-hmm. Fantasy VII or something like that um, of that mm-hmm. scale. But I never like I never beat Ocarina of Time. I didn't even beat the Zeldas I had on 3DS. I, th- I had a wow, what was Majora's Mask and what's the other one? Link between Link worlds? to the past or Link Between Worlds? That's oh man, one. those are both real good, uh, dude. You should play them. <laughs> they're, they're, they're You're not wrong. You're not wrong. But are they fucking Breath of the Wild good? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's I, very I, different. I, it's very different. different and. 
and be but be definitely because of this game like i will go back and i will like happily play you know games that people are like this zelda is a is a classic um because i understand now i get it uh where i didn't connect with zelda or the the franchise um before before this game so so yeah it had a crazy impact on me i love it so blew me so blew me away amazing um uh, and it's so cool. I'm so honestly a little envious and jealous that you got to have this experience within the last year. And I mm-hmm. remember in our little video game crew texting about it. And he, when you sent, I think you sent us a picture of your switch and it was like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> Stevens has a switch. It's all over now. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a wrap. <laughs> uh, I love that. Um, anything else about your personal history and context that you want to share Mikey? Um, no, I think that's, that pretty much, uh, covers it. Uh, I'm just, I just, I I love this game so much. Uh, did you guys talk about like person, like how deep you beat it or how, uh, like, yeah, yeah, they they both said, yeah. Yeah. How hard did you beat the game? (laughs) Okay. So I didn't, uh, I did, I definitely, I definitely, uh, was very, very, um, and I was like texting people that had played the game. And I was like, at what point did you look something up? Uh, did you look things up a- at all? <laughs> um, and I think I got like, I got like 90 shrines on my own. Uh, oh, so wow. say that proudly and confidently, uh, because I was just so <laughs> yeah. stubborn. And I was like, I mean, I was like at like clearly at the end of the game, I had, uh, all four guardians. I had like, you know, my stamina is full, my, you know, like, and I was just like, I have to look these up and I hated doing it. Uh, but then there's so much <laughs> joy that you get from, from that process where you're like, Oh, well, I would have never found, you know, like this, or, or I don't know, like there was so much that once I opened Pandora's box, I was like, Oh God, like I, I kind of like, not like I wasted so much time being stubborn, but I was like, Oh my God, there's, there's more in this game. <laughs> kind of like, mm-hmm. it was a little shocking. Um, um, truly. And I, and I think, uh, I'm excited. I haven't done a second playthrough. Um, I have the DLC. Um, so I haven't even like completed all the DLC and stuff for it. So, Ooh, oh, wow. Uh, but yeah, I, it's pretty I'm good. excited <gasps> for it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm excited for to to get to the point of a second playthrough and like the things the new things I'll discover. Uh and it just like it has a thing where it just feels like I could do the same exact thing and I it would still be fun. I still would enjoy mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Like uh mm-hmm. but yeah. It's a great game. It's incredible. Absolutely. You could play the exact same path and be like, I'm so glad I played this a second time. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. but the the best part about the game is I don't think that's even possible. No matter what, you're going to see something you didn't see the first time. Yeah. And it's, mm-hmm. it's just so rich and detailed. I'm, I'm on my third play and I just ran into another place that I was like, never seen this before. All right. Oh, wow. Right. Or just like a detail. I had been in that area, but I like details I had never noticed. It, it's just amazing. Ah, oh, I love it. Um, 
Kind of completely unlike we do on the normal version of Call Me By Your Game, I'm going to actually share some of my history and context. So. Oh, no, thank you. Nice. Cool. Well, <laughs> moving, okay, moving on to everyone else talking. Um, thank you. Like, hey, of course. Um, like I said before, um, uh, as far as like when this game came out, I was very ready for it, but that wasn't always that wasn't always going to happen, is I guess what I would say. Uh, I grew up um, playing Zelda, my favorite franchise. I love the series, even though I haven't played and beaten all of the games. I've played, you know, all of the main console ones. I have not beaten the first two or really played very much of either of them, except the first one I've dabbled with. Um, but Ocarina of Time for me was kind of a formative game where, uh, I beat an adventure game for the first time that wasn't like a Mario game, and mm. to me that felt like a big accomplishment. And I it's felt a big boy game. It's a yeah. big boy game. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, even even as like you know linear as we know and as Ocarina of Time to be today, it still felt really cool because I'd never done anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't uh, feel linear at the time. I think now that we have so many more open world games and we know what a real uh, uh, non-linear experience feels like, that Ocarina of Time was tricking us into it being a linear game. So it, the the vastness of it made it feel like it wasn't linear, but it, yes. it was. I think you're totally right. And I think it's easy for me to say say it's so linear with the, you know, the experience of playing through it, I think 15 times at this Woo! point, because I know, because it's just become wow. one of those where yeah. I can revisit it and I know where everything is because it's somewhat smaller. It's a lot smaller. It's way smaller in scale in this game. But yeah. Um, Anyway, it was very special to me. I remember, like, it was the first time I ever was, like, emotional when I finished or played a game. I remember, like, getting choked up, sitting Mm. in my parents' bedroom, beating the game before I had to go to church. So it ruined (laughs) my day. Um, (laughs) At church, uh, I could think of nothing else. Right? Uh, Truly, though, that was always the case I'm trying to talk to the sage of time. God, come on. Can I interject for just a second? (laughs) Please. Um, uh, for Breath of the Wild, uh, my a friend of mine is like a like big deal Broadway actor, and Ooh. he was late to getting Breath of the Wild. But then when he did, and I, I was I talked him into it. I was like, "You have to do this," and he uh, texted me at one point from intermission of his show and was like, <laughs> "I was late to work today because I was." playing Zelda and then (laughs) in that scene where I don't say anything and I'm just sitting in the background all I could think about was how do I beat this one shrine quest and I was like it's it's really cute that you said you were late to work you were late to Broadway because of this I've never thought about that before like everyone has that moment where you're daydreaming at work but I never considered that Broadway actors do the same thing like yeah, yeah I'm gonna beat that shrine yeah man. when you're 50 performances into a show and yeah, that person and you got a little bit of downtime is Lin-Manuel Miranda yeah. on the set <laughs> You guys are friends with Lynn. <laughs> Heather is for sure uh-huh. plugging Hamilton by the end of the show. Yeah. <laughs> by the way, uh, available streaming now on Disney Plus. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I love it though. Hey, it can you know it can capture any sort of person, whether you're a Broadway actor or someone like me who was driving for Postmates at the time that I got. <laughs> Say, I was poor, right? Um, uh, 
rewinding really quick, and I'll try to make my part quick, brief, because I want to talk as much as we can about the game. Um, I uh, Ocarina of Time was formative for me. By the time Majora's Mask came out, I actually I got it for my birthday that year, and I was I had played Zelda Ocarina of Time earlier that same year, so I was like in it. Ever since then, I've been here for every major Zelda release. Um, I remember I got Twilight Princess and a Wii for Christmas when it came out. I was, I loved Skyward Sword, even though it's got its severe problems. Um, and I think kind of like what, I think Nick, you were saying this a little bit earlier. I, I think it helped me understand what I was going through because before the Switch came out, I was still playing video games and enjoying them, but not near like I used to. Um, I would like uh, play like games I still had on my Wii Virtual Console or my play Smash on the Wii U or turn on the Xbox and someone would lend me the first Destiny, but I really wasn't like into games like I used to be or am now. Um, and I don't think that's entirely, <laughs> that's not entirely Zelda's fault because there were plenty of great games out there. By that point, I had like played Skyrim and, and like loved it, sunk mm-hmm. so much time into that um, and many other games. But I think my love was with Zelda and Nintendo. And because Nintendo was like kind of fading and faded, I was less enthusiastic for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Uh, like we were talking about the trailer earlier, uh, I knew that there was some new Nintendo console rumored. I maybe even knew that it was supposed to be a handheld home hybrid. I knew, I already knew that the Zelda was out, had seen the art, but as soon as I saw that trailer, I was hooked and I had to have it. Um, I remember, uh, like getting home, I had actually started uh, for the for the two improv kids in this uh, chat with me. I was in a four hundred one and had rushed home from our first class to watch that like switch. Uh, like conference in Jan- that January of 2017 where they talked about everything. Mm-hmm. So I like got home and stayed up like super late watching it because it was it was like an hour long. Um, and then the day after my final class of that class in March, two months later, um, I woke up and my roommate came into my room and has like, Hey, there a package arrived for you. And it was my Nintendo switch. And I was like, just on cloud nine. I had stayed up late after a, after a mock, which I now host, uh, and had just slept in super late. But anyway, got that game, played it, fell in love with it. I've got to play it that weekend. Um, like that Sunday was really where I got to sink time into it because that Friday, I think I like Matt Apodaca came over and watched me play and we went, I went to his Herald night that Saturday I had a class show. And then, so Sunday, all I did, my roommate was gone. I just played Zelda and that's kind of what happened the next few months. Um, this, <laughs> this game for me, Every I started bit of my alone time was just oh, Zelda. Oh, it was amazing. Turn like the lights were low in the apartment. I just sat in the living room by myself. It was great. Um, and then the last thing that I'll say is like my most recent playthrough. Uh, I've only returned to it this once. I started my playthrough four months ago during quarantine. Recently came back to it to brush up this week, and it's every bit as uh, fun, if not more fun, than the first time I played it. Um, and uh, it's a very special game to me. Yeah, how but- do they do that? I'm not hang gliding. But it feels so good to be Link hang gliding. Right? How? I, you know, 
Well, good I think question. it's just it is a game that just feels good to play. Like yeah. Link is very responsive in a way a lot of games aren't. The mm-hmm. fact that you can climb, like usually in video games, climbing shit is the worst part. The worst. <laughs> yes. In, it, there's like a, a direct parallel I could draw to it is God of War released. I think uh, a, a, no, I'm sorry, Horizon Zero Dawn released about um, a month before, or I'm sorry, a month after uh, Breath of the Wild, and man. That game, I'm so sorry. That game had an unfortunate release because the parallels between those two are so strong. Ooh. But man, Breath of the Wild just feels so much better to 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 control yeah, and, and play Link in. Uh, has a Ryu just about to share something? I was gonna say, should I get that game? What console is that? What system? Horizon. Yeah. It's on PlayStation. PS4. Yeah, PlayStation yeah. Four. I'm probably getting a PlayStation soon. Should I get that game to scratch the Zelda? Itch? Oh yeah, for sure. Oh okay. for sure. It's just you just can't climb shit like you do in Breath of the Wild. <laughs> but I'm, yeah. it's still, it's still just, a beautiful game though. Still yeah. beautiful. But it just that when a game releases climbing mecha mechanic, I want in every open world game. Totally. I started playing yeah. uh, Skyrim after my second Zelda because I was like, <laughs> I gotta do something. And (laughs) I (laughs) refuse to take roads and uh, you can't climb shit in Skyrim. Uh, It's a mess. That's a lot of hopping up the side of the mountain. Just a lot of awkward hops. That's exactly it. It's it's hopping from ledge to ledge. (laughs) Yeah. But then if you fall also, you're, you're screwed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Well, thank you all for listening to me and sharing your personal context. Uh, now, like, you know, a little over an hour deep, let's dive into, um, uh, like, what is so great about this game? Because that's what we came here to talk about. Oh, my uh, gosh. There's so much about this game that is great. There's so much we've already sort of tapped into. Does any, any one of you have something that you want to share or something you want to lead off this conversation with? Uh, I'm gonna. I got a hot take. Ooh, hot and take. It's just this. This. This is a good game. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't okay. have said it better. Bold. I think this is good. Okay. This game, okay. I didn't know we were gonna go good. there. And furthermore, it's not bad. Okay. <laughs> so okay. wow. I know. I, mean, I, I think had piggy, somebody had piggybacking to do it. off. The- <laughs> Piggybacking off the controversial take, I I do think one of the special things about Breath of the Wild is um, unlike like, you know, there's open world games are the new trend. They just they exist everywhere and they're going to continue to exist because they are an impressive showcase of what hardware is capable of. Mm -hmm. But I think what makes open world games so special is that. they're supposed to cultivate an environment where you have your own story that even though everyone is playing through the game the game itself should be trying to make you experience something that is unique to only your playthrough and that's done through something that's called um, in the industry they call it emergent gameplay moments where all of the systems that have been designed in the game kind of work together like clockwork to produce moments of like unique storytelling based on stuff that you've done because i mean at the end of the day that's the best thing about video games the best use of video games as a medium is the fact that we are controlling them so when you have the chemistry chemistry system when you have the climbing system when you have the gliding system and you have weapon durability those all kind of coalesce into specific moments where you are just having a moment that only connor experienced there is a moment that always sticks out to me where i 
I was exploring the ruins of um, Lon Lon Ranch. Yeah. In oh, Buffalo yes. Wild, Just I crazy. Climbed, I climbed a hill and I was, you know, I had maybe like two weapons on me. One of them was nearing like um, <laughs> like being destroyed. And I, I got attacked by a couple of Lizalfos. And oh. I remember like I had a spear that got destroyed. <laughs> and I remember there was one Lizalfo left. And I had a two-handed claymore that I was swinging around on top of a hill. And I was like, I think I'm going to die. My hearts are chirping. I'm this close to death. And the dude leaps in the air towards me. And I'm like, I think this thing's about to break. And I knew that if you threw a weapon and you kill an enemy with it on its breaking hit, it does double the damage. So Mm -hmm. I threw the weapon at it and it shattered on impact, but also killed the enemy. And I had survived the encounter. So it's just like the game itself cultivated that moment where it felt like like oh i did that because i'm so smart i'm i know how the game works and it's just like you know you can you can guide someone through tutorial and this is how you swing a sword but the fact that the game trusted a player enough to say this is how this works but here have fun with it yeah the the fact that there are so there are thousands of similar stories of people like i was climbing the twin peaks and i was so close to running out of stamina but you know i just i did one final leap and then once i made that (laughs) final leap i ran out of stamina but i made it to the top of the mountain it's stuff like that 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 really sticks out to people and it helps form those those special memories like it's like a i I always think it's like a how a baby like latches on to something where it's it's very much like a player being latched onto a game where that's just a memory i'm gonna have of it forever and so Mm -hmm. anytime i think about zelda i'm always gonna be thinking about that so the fact that there's so many systems that are so smartly designed is just it's that's wild that's that is a design feat that Mm -hmm. i just part of me feels like it's luck part of me feels like it's the work of masters you know at their craft but just wow that that's why breath of the wild i think works yeah yes beautifully said Mm mm-hmm very well Uh, you just marvel you just marvel at it you get in there and and you just um, yeah, the, I, 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 you briefly mentioned also, uh, like the cooking and the, uh, the crafting systems. Mm-hmm. I'm, I usually hate that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> like, I don't know how they, like, that's that just when you were describing that, I was like, I don't know how they designed that kind of a system to make me like it so much like i loved like i would just spend time <laughs> cooking i'd just be in villages like i'm gonna just cook a bunch of shit uh yeah um i think it's because it's cute and it looks good like the food actively yeah. looks good and it has mm-hmm. benefits that help you but like, i think like you, you touched on it perfectly though the fact that you are you like something that you don't normally like i think it's because of how it's packaged yeah i think 100%. i think that's the beauty of breath of the wild is that um you know I'm, I'm sure heather and her husband would appreciate the design sensibilities when it comes to the art direction in this Ooh. game which is so strong you have this um water color style cell shading that's going on that is highly evocative of something like studio ghibli's princess mononoke exactly. 
exactly. I mean, and, and, yeah. and so like, you know, the one thing Ghibli's also known for outside of being a stunning animation house is the way they depict food. So mm-hmm. I think that I, I think that like the cooking in this game lends a credibility to the world building that like, oh, this is a real space. And the fact that you have different ingredients that can only be found in certain regions really heightens the fact that like, oh, this group of people in this region of Hyrule you know, they rely on um, durian and fish. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, over here you have chickens and apples and over here you have beef and whatever. And it's just like you feel like this is a world with, again, its own ecosystem, its own like uh, economy to some extent. And it's just like, oh, man, everything just I'm vibing, man. I'm vibing <laughs> with everything mm-hmm. in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, this is so this is such a dumb random thought but thinking about the like those moments that you only get on your own gameplay and then also with the food have you guys ever shot an eagle out of the sky in that game <laughs> I don't know why would I do why would I commit such a crime I against know. nature <laughs> I know and in real life I would be like what a horrible thing and the hunting is not for me but you know there you hear the eagle every once in a while depending mm-hmm. on where you are and sometimes you'll you'll catch a glimpse of over whatever i just happened to be up high at one point and, and was flying and saw one like not too far away and i was like i think i could hit that thing <laughs> and i got it and it just gave me like a chicken nice. wing <laughs> i love that uh this game lends itself so much to wondering asking that question that we've all said a few times today which is like can i do this and uh-huh. for heather that means can i you know murder another animal <laughs> I mean, everyone else that's different if I gotta do it in a low, low stakes situation better than a high stakes yeah, absolutely. I'm not out shooting eagles I want to be clear about that <laughs> and you know you felt bad for what you did I did um, I did I, I buried the chicken leg instead of no. <laughs> Amazing. Um, you, you all have kind of touched on, uh, you've touched on a bunch. So there's there's a few points I want to hit today, and I'm going to use this as a chance to pivot to one of them, and that is the uh, level of immersion in this game that is uh, so good. It's, it's one of those games that I found myself, which, you know, it's not uncommon for me to do this, but not all games can say this, where you... Can, I can find myself sitting and playing it for an entire day or for hours and you don't know how much time has went by um, and that's a credit to the game's immersion and it does that in so many different ways. Um, I don't know if any of you have had like a similar experience or feeling about the game. No, not at all. I have perfect impulse control when it comes to this game. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Uh, yeah, it's just one of those things that, at least for me, I, it's it feels like it's a combination of... Um, how peaceful the game can feel while also being like the most dangerous feeling Zelda game or mm-hmm. one of the most dangerous feeling games I've ever played. It's hard. Played. Very hard. The game is very difficult. I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I would consider myself a gamer. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> but like I just, in the tutorial area, I died so many times because like the game is says, yeah, you, this is the tutorial area, but like this is still what it's going to be like out yeah. there in the wilderness. So like that's awesome. Um, but kind yeah, of that's that's funny. You mentioned the tutorial area. I remember those uh, those like laser guardians mm-hmm. are up on that first level. Oh, yeah. And I remember like fighting and killing one of those. 
in like in like I, I don't remember i had like a stick or something and i was like i was like just like dodging behind like cover and like hitting it i probably hit it like a hundred times or whatever it took and i was like is this what this game is gonna be like uh like not realizing like and then you get to oh, the ga- probably- you get to the castle and you see 40 of them yeah, yeah. and you're like oh, oh no oh no <laughs> i uh, i just assumed like I remember hitting the first one of those guardians and being like trying to kill it a few times, getting immediately demolished and being like, guess I avoid these for the entire game. (laughs) Forever. (laughs) Right. Uh, Yeah. um, I think I feel the most immersed uh, uh, to answer that question, like on the immersion thing. um, I think the game does a really good way, uh, 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 a really good job at like uh, foreshadowing like something you'll need or, or, you know what I mean? Like, um, you know, that, Mm -hmm. you know, that you don't have enough stamina to climb this thing that you've been trying to climb. So you like have to go do other things in order, you know what I mean? Like, or Mm -hmm. you get to the lava area and you don't have fireproof gear. And it's those times where I like, Mm. I am gone. Cause I'm all, I'm, I'm like so goal oriented at that point that I'm like, okay, so I have to just do all these other things. And then I like forgot, I'll forget what initially started me on this like rabbit hole of (laughs) shrines that I've been doing. Uh And you know what I mean? I'll do like 10 of them or five of them and be like, oh yeah, oh yeah. So I could go climb that hill that I like couldn't (laughs) climb before. Um, so yeah, I think it does a really good job of like you can't you can't do this yet, uh, but mm-hmm. you will be able to. Uh, and it's those times where I like because the game's so good at um, rewarding your adventurous uh, the adventurous side of you is like I f- I forget what sent me on the path to begin with. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. I I can't tell you all, and I'm sure you all can relate how many times I've, you know, jumped off a mountain peak or a tower being like, I'm heading there. And then suddenly been like, what's that over there? And just, you know, made a beeline (laughs) towards it. Um, Totally. Stevens, you were talking about some, uh, what you were just talking about reminded me of how much this game can, um, in its immersion, uh, feels like it presents you with like not just stimuli but like ideas or things to do and it just trusts that you're going to be able to figure that out and you and i feel like everybody can like we all find ourselves being like well if i'm going to fight like whether it's like a guardian or whatever i'm not going to use this stick so i might come back way way later with all this Mm -hmm. stuff or um or when you're at the very beginning of the game when you're doing the three or four however many there are of those first shrines that are the trials, getting the abilities, um, going to that. I remember when I went to that, the final one, at least for me, cause you can do it in any order. Mm-hmm. Um, that's in the snowy area and took me a while. I think this is a common anecdote for people, but a while to figure out how to survive over there because there was no gear that mm-hmm. I had. You have no Definitely. gear at that point. Yeah. Um, you just, you find these peppers, but if you eat the pepper, it doesn't do anything. So you have to like, learn to cook and uh i feel like there's so many times where like a little there'll be a little challenge like that and the game will just trust you'll be able to figure it out 
And sometimes it's like either I'm smart or they've placed things so perfectly, kind of like mm. Nick's example of throwing the throwing the claymore or whatever at the Lizalfos uh, and being like, was that me or was that the game designers keeping me in mind almost? Right. Um, yeah. Nick, were you going to share something a little earlier? Well, probably yeah, tough- just, yeah, just t- t- again, tapping into what Mikey was saying about immersion in the game and how you kind of just get lost when you set an objective and you're heading there and you're just like, oh, let's go over here. What's going on over there? Mm-hmm. I-, I think the game's really good at um, like there is a, a hard mode. There's like a master mode if you have the DLC or whatever. Here. But I think one of my favorite things about the game Uh, or just like a new thing that I feel like games are doing is where it lets you kind of create your own difficulty based on how you want to play the game. Because if you really wanted to, as soon as you leave the tutorial area, you can fight Ganon and you can beat the game (laughs) if you wanted to. It's going to be really hard, but that's that's entirely up to you. Any other game, if, if this was a Zelda game that was made in the time of the Wii, Nintendo would have said, you have to play eight dungeons first before you can fight Ganon. But in this game, they say, you know what? Try it. And and I think that there's there's some sort of a, like, I feel like the game is Pavlovian in that where it just makes you kind of do something over and over and it kind of instills hard uh, like truths about the environment says you can try to fight that that uh, the guardian that's in the tutorial area if right. you want you can hit it a thousand times with a stick and arrows if you want <laughs> or you can just come back to oh, it oh to be clear I did not want to do that the first time. I was like, I have to do this. You I did. guess that's what this, this game is. This is the game. Yeah. But yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. important part though, is that you did and the game didn't yeah. and the game didn't say you can't do that. Which is great. Have right. you seen Right. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Heather. Oh, have you seen any of the videos of the people that refuse to do shrine quests? So when they get into them, they they'll jump off whatever platform they can, <laughs> blow themselves up with a bomb, yes. so they can fly over the wall to just skip the whole puzzle. Oh my oh, god! Yeah. And it's a totally valid way of doing so it. So funny and so awesome. It never even. I remember looking and being like, I think I could get over that wall, and I totally couldn't. Like, well, no, what I was missing was blowing myself up. (laughs) (laughs) This is the first time that a game will not like it. Honestly, it's the only time I've ever played a game where it says where it doesn't have a, a, a menu prompt come up and say, Hey, Link, maybe try coming back later. And it's just right, like, yeah. no, right. I clearly understand that I shouldn't be fighting yeah. this. But you can you can brute force it. I can't. If I figured out how the physics system works, I can detonate a bomb on, on myself and like fly over this puzzle that I don't really feel like doing. Sure. And the game lets you sure. do it, yeah. which mm-hmm. no other. Yeah. Again, if this was Ocarina of Time, Navi would say, Listen, Link. Oh my God! Why don't you try coming back when you have a stronger Listen. shield? Right. And like going back to the gardens, the game never tells you you can do a perfect uh, parry where you reflect a oh, guardian's yeah, right. laser back at it. Oh God, I got so good at that. I was felt like a god. <laughs> and so, in, in theory, at the beginning of the game, in the tutorial area, you can have a wooden shield and reflect the guardian's right. laser back at it if you knew it, but you don't yeah. at that point. Which is great right. because later on you're going to learn it. And I, I feel like I'm in the majority in that. The second I learned I could do that, I went back to the tutorial area <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to show this guardian what's up. Right. You have to go face your original bully. <laughs> exactly. Amazing. And the fact that the game doesn't tell you no is just another thing that's like, man, they figured it out. 
They did. Um, one of the things uh, that this game famously does is at the very beginning, if you go through the trials, you have essentially all the basic tools that mm-hmm. you're going to need uh, to do just about anything in the game, including uh, like propelling yourself over a shrine puzzle. <laughs> um, this is obviously we're assuming that the listeners have played the game or have some understanding of it, but it was an interesting change, at least for me that they decided to, um, give you these certain abilities stasis, which, you know, you can freeze an object for a certain amount of time and then manipulate that object or just, you know, freeze it to solve a puzzle. The two bombs, there's the square bomb or the cube bomb mm-hmm. and then the, the round bomb, which are now not just like a depletable item. It's something that, you know, just over, I don't know how long it is. The it's like a recharge, version. a cool down, a cool down period. Mm-hmm. Uh, perfect word for that. Um, and then also there's the magnesis. You can freeze water. They give you all of these tools, and so it which only helps setting you off on your way it's not like they're setting you out there with nothing like they're like yeah here's a here's five bucks and uh (laughs) and a ticket for the train kid you're gonna be okay (laughs) yeah again like i think if this was ocarina of time (laughs) if if it was ocarina of time like the fact that you have all these special abilities like there would be an area where it's like okay link this is where you use stasis this is yeah. where you use the cryo stage or the cryo mm-hmm. whatever. This is where you use the the magnet pool or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it lets you do it wherever and whenever, which again is just it feels like Daddy Nintendo letting go a little bit. And they're <laughs> yeah. like, you know what? Fly, yeah. fly little one. Yeah. You can do it. Goodbye, what, Big Daddy Nintendo. <laughs> right? What a great lesson in parenting too. Sometimes I, it's good I, to just let go. I still refer to Nintendo as Daddy just as a heads up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean oh, no. Miyamoto. Miyamoto son. Senpai Miyamoto. <laughs> hey, whatever works for you, buddy. Um so we another thing I want to talk about uh, that we've already that we've kind of felt like we've naturally gotten ourselves into uh, discussing is just the absolute freedom in this game. And Heather talked about it earlier, how like you can play this game one time and even if you play the same path, it's a kind of impossible and two still so enjoyable. I thought you were going to talk about me hunting eagles again. We're going to talk about <laughs> Heather's severe injustice against uh, the bird people. Um, uh-huh. See, it starts with eagles, Heather, and then you're hunting Rito, and then it's just it's a slippery slope. I would um, never. Uh, the the freedom in this game, uh, which we've and we've kind of already gone over this a lot, is just so. Uh, what what's the word I want to say? It's not in. It's wouldn't call it enriching. It's uh, empowering almost, especially you know pulling away from what was Skyward Sword and having them tell you exactly what to do every second. It was just. Give the player the tools and let them go. And I mean, it's it's amazing because like this. I don't know what were. Do you guys know what like your hours were on your longest playthrough? Because oh, mine buddy. was, Ooh. I think, minimal, which was like one hundred twenty-five hours. And I think that's that kind of pales in comparison to some. I've got my switch here. It would. It's only going to tell me the, the total. The total I played it. Oh, but, okay, <laughs> but. 
My uh, longest playthrough is 120 plus hours is when it stopped. Oh, okay. Is when I stopped um, on that long <laughs> playthrough. I've since upgraded to the new Switch. Oh, okay. Um, the one that's only slightly better, but GameStop had a pretty dang good deal. So I'm like, yes. yeah, well, I'll do it. Why not? Um, and so now my longest save file is like 40 hours only. But oh. I've definitely plugged in like 300 hours in the Breath of the Wild. <laughs> Heather, I see a grimace on your face. Oh, boy. This is... <laughs> This is grim. This, this is a safe space. It's okay. Yes, you can share. Okay, just just us four and anybody listening to this. And Mikey's now, cat. Keep in mind, this was like two and a half plays, and one of them I sort of manically went for the 100%. <laughs> 430 hours oh. or more. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Hats off to you. Or more. <laughs> it's the oh. or more that stinks. Mm-hmm. Oh, you Holy get uh, you get a gold star for that. Heather. I don't know if I do. I don't work a lot. <laughs> you can just not, get another. That's not a good sign. You just get another one more core oxide, uh, but not the one you need. <laughs> oh. Um, another thing I want to discuss with this game and hear from all of you on is uh is the progression in this game. It, it's funny to have a game that is, you know, it's an open world game. It's a game where you can go about and do whatever you want. You could walk to one area, teleport to another. Um, however, they still manage to have progression, not only with your character, but uh, the enemies around you. Um, does anybody have any thoughts on that, the way that works with this game? I think uh, the game uh, does a good job of, like, in real life, you know, I've I've been experienced enough with my own body where I'm like, oh, I can run about this fast. I can yeah. jump about this far. I can jump about this high. Uh, I think the game does a really good job of letting you size something up. I, I remember Mikey tapping into it earlier about knowing, you know, kind of being able to size something up mm. at a glance and be like, oh, yeah, I have enough stamina to climb that. And I think that's pretty cool because that's just something that you can't really design around that you just kind of like the player becomes so experienced with it they Mm -hmm. kind of feel like an extension of link to some point Mm -hmm. where they're just like oh yeah you know what i can glide for this long or (laughs) you know what i'll be able to cook this number of things if i just get this many if i kill this many eagles i'll be able to cook up this (laughs) many omelets or whatever (laughs) like you kind of innately understand what you're capable of yeah in the same way like in a paper mario game where i know that after a while my jump attacks always do four damage like you just you can kind of just calculate the math in your head instantly and i think that's pretty cool again i feel Mm -hmm. like i'm just i don't i feel like i don't really have much negative to say about the game so someone might call me a fanboy but like that, that that's mm-hmm. it's hard to make a game where it does something like that because yeah. i don't know i feel like i play games all the time where i'm like i don't really know if i can do this like this mm-hmm. like if my character behaves this way but blink is pretty consistent yeah um i guess just to speak on it a little bit uh oh i totally agree with you nick uh it's amazing how the game uh just almost teaches you that you can size all sorts of stuff up. I was doing that today with like a, with I climbed the you know at the Rito area at their little village how's how there's that one really tall like structure mm-hmm. yeah that's like made of rock mm-hmm. that eventually the guardian will perch itself on. Well, it 
like obviously you can't i think without regardless of how full your stamina meter is um you can't climb that in one go but there are like little tiny uh like ridges on that thing and all over the whole world that you're like okay if i can just get to that ridge that's not as steep as the other parts i can stop climbing get my stamina back and continue and i feel like there are so many parts of this game that allow for that. Um, yeah. As far as the progression goes, I th- really appreciate, um, you know, of course, it's it's crazy to to speak about, like, the early parts of the game, like what Mikey was talking about, or Heather, when you f- see those first Guardians, and like Heather, I couldn't fight in the first Guardians, and those are the ones that are, like, planted to the ground. They can't even follow you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they're not even, or, like, they're not the ones yeah. that are, like, flying. They're right. pretty weak, but right. uh, where you... You can look at your character well, at the being, uh, beginning of the game. No, no. Well, they're strong, but at the beginning, <laughs> uh, they're or grounded. Like, they can't yeah. follow you. <laughs> I, it took a whole tree of sticks for me to go. Right. Yeah. Uh, it, it's always been very cool for me to look at the where you are at the beginning of the game versus like maybe when you're close to the end or even halfway through the jer- the growth that your character can have when you start you know with like you've got one little boko bat maybe a traveler sword a stick and a torch and a spear and by the end of the game you've got like a claymore the master sword a flame sword a lightning uh spear you've just you can build up your arsenal of weapons um i also appreciate how the enemies scale in the game nick you were talking about the difficulty kind of scaling to the player earlier and it's just such a great thing where it's like okay as the player gets better and the more enemies they defeat i don't actually don't know how that specific mechanic works in the game but as you go along you start seeing more and more enemies that are like the harder versions yeah i think it's because you know you're starting to in late game you're exploring areas of the game that the game is like okay if you're exploring this area it's probably because you've advanced far enough where we can throw more difficult enemies at you. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if you were to return to the the plateau, you would still have the red Bokoblins there to, you know, you can lay waste to them because you're a tyrant or if you're Heather Eagles. But, yeah, if you are exploring the outskirts, the game does say like, oh, yeah, you're probably strong. So let's throw stronger enemies at you. Cool. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I just, I, I love, I love how that works. Uh, yeah. did you, if thinking about like the weapons and the armor and stuff, did you, any of you have like any armor that you would lean on or that you would always have equipped or any favorites? Hmm. I have some aesthetic favorites, I'd, but ooh, yeah. I'd love to hear aesthetics first for me too. Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, dark link, that outfit doesn't do anything for you, but man, is it cool? Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> How do you get that one? Is that like an objective or is that an amiibo? Uh, it's, you find it. It's, okay. it's, it's DLC and it's, it's. I think that's the one you have to trade monster parts for to the, oh, the monster that's right. vendor. That's right. Oh. He's the one who trades in mm-hmm. Mon currency, which is the, the hottest cryptocurrency mm-hmm. to come to Hyrule. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that little, that little freak. Yeah. Uh, I really like the and he he's only comes out at night yeah. too, yes. right? He's always like Which, in the worst spot by the town. <laughs> he couldn't yeah, get any yeah. real estate. <laughs> yeah, we all know the we freaks talked come about out at that night. at all. Like day, day and night cycle, uh, as far as like and difficulty and like 
Uh, but sorry, I, 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 I digress. Uh, I I really buffed up the knight armor, just like the standard oh, yeah. knight armor, just mm-hmm. for sheer defense. So I would wear that most of the time, but also aesthetics. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Dark Link, or I like the Shinobi outfit, the like ninja outfit a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I also like that one. Very cool. Because uh, of the uh, silent, like it would silence your footsteps. The blow. So you could like creep around. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. Glow in the dark it, skeleton. It always bummed me out because my favorite outfit is the Hylian outfit that you can get in the, the village. Mm-hmm. That's like mm-hmm. the first village you go to yes. where you can get like upgrade your tablet. And I think that the uh, Hylian outfit with the hooded cloak looks so badass on Link uh, <laughs> because it has like it looks more practical. You know, it's got its pockets. It's got like leather armor. It's got a cloak. Right. It's got everything you want. Like if you're trying to recreate adventurer. a princess like Mononoke that guy's character. Still, he's doing adventures. Yeah. 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 <laughs> this, like, this is a, that's this what the is a studio would be Ghibli in the character. Movie. Yeah. Oh, totally. yeah, yeah. And it just it bums me out because it doesn't have any built in power ups like the barbarian armor, like yeah. the like the um, mm-hmm. the Sheikah armor. And you can't upgrade like, it that much. Yeah, it just adds to your defense, which is like, I feel like as a result, it just makes me play the game on harder mode because I'm like, <laughs> I don't care. Link looks badass. It's all that matters. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I find myself uh, very often, unless I'm like swimming, uh, which is rare. I don't, I didn't like to be in the water so much in this game mm-hmm. with the climbing gear. Um, it the first what I thought was interesting was the first playthrough I did. I found. All the whole climbing set pretty quickly, Whoa. but on this most recent playthrough, like I've had the the uh, bandana for a while, but just today I got the uh, shirt, the climbing shirt. So I and I think there that is a set of gear that you have to find randomly after some strength or tests of strength mm-hmm. uh, shrines, and it, mm-hmm. it, it's not always going to be in the same place. So I, I even tried to like look it up on a guide, and it was like it'll be randomly. In some other shrines, oh, just wild, wild yeah. that they do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, someone earlier got me thinking about something else that I really appreciate about the game, uh, which is obviously it's a huge game. There's so much to do. It can feel kind of empty at times, but then you are kind of often stimulated. Um, one thing that I do appreciate are like the personalities and the little like the anecdotes you get from people that you meet and not just the main quest people but like in the village nick was talking about earlier um sometimes those are some of the most like uh endearing parts about the game or it's just like this extra wave of detail that they've thrown in there i mean we've got to talk about the homosexual interior designer Oh, oh yeah! God, he was so. They great. are not yeah. even kidding around with that guy, and I thought it was pretty cool. But I was also like, mm, "This feels a little prop use here." Oh yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, for it's, sure. It's, uh, it's I, like, I is think, this cool that it's involved, or is it? I think yeah. that is like maybe my biggest criticism of the game is that there is an innately old, outdated look at like how people represent themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that there is like 
a weird treatment of like trans characters in um, the <sighs> desert area. Yeah. Where you, I forgot about mm, that. Yeah, that's uncool yeah. how they're like, <laughs> I know that you're, I mean, it's like. Ugh. Yeah, and like, I feel like that is equal parts like old school Nintendo, which is not a justification. Like, I think that is a totally valid thing to criticize and kind yeah. of like, hey, this is something that is outdated that I hope they would fix for Breath of the Wild 2. But I am glad that they never make an outrage over, oh my gosh, you're actually a man blah 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 right. like it's just yeah. it, <laughs> right. it just feels like okay you're gonna play into this very old school ass anime trope that just feels outdated and out of place yeah in an otherwise pretty wild game but i think that there is some interesting stuff especially when it comes to the um the interior designer or you the people who rebuild Terrytown. Mm-hmm. like they're just like fun they're cool people and yeah. you know you can step you can kind of Picture them however you desire, and I don't think that the game is condemning or critical of them in one way or another. And I think that that is probably the best way because you know what? At the end of the day, it's really just about what the player thinks. Yeah, mm-hmm. a handful of those characters really make me laugh. Oh, they're um, hilarious. The the um, prince. I feel like his name is Sidian. Maybe. Uh, oh yeah. The, the oh, guy. The, the hot shark. Yes, the hot <laughs> shark who's always like, <laughs> yes, he he's his awesome. Little pose. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Robbie, who always hits a guitar riff. Oh uh, yeah. That is so funny. Uh, what's the? What's the? I gotta. The, I gotta uh, shout my. Uh, I gotta shout my guy Beetle out. The little traveling uh, vendor merchant. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. He's got like oh, a. Beetle. When he's like. I think I'm just going to steal it. That dude, he's great. And he's just so stoked. He's like, you want to buy something? (laughs) This is great. Uh, I love that dude, man. I'm a a big fan of uh, Rivali, the the hot bird that I'll never win his approval. I'll never win his approval, but I'm going to try hard every single time he's looking my way. I just want, I just want him to, to admire him. He never gives credit. Even when you, when you beat the divine beast, he's Mm -hmm. like, that was pretty good. I guess for you, I could have done it anyway. Thank you. I don't know what it, I don't know what it is about Eagles. It's very much like Falco. Yes. Yeah. Strong Falco energy from Star Fox. They're proud. It is very, very Falco. Yeah. Um, um, talking about Rivali um, made me think uh, about one of my favorite musical themes, which I wanted to bring mm, up the music in general. Yeah, the music definitely. is stunning across the board. Just, I mean, the, the music quality of video games has come so far, so that alone is amazing. But the score for this is so rich and so beautiful. I, I ripped the whole thing off the internet. I was trying <laughs> desperately to find a proper soundtrack to buy. I found one that I don't think is official, and it was like $90. Oh, and I was no. like, I'm going to do the bad thing and just steal More it. the game. But yes! <laughs> um, but it's it's on my regular... I'm also like a little bit of a classical musical nerd, and it's like on my classical music mix now of like oh. my favorites. And some of those tunes are un- unbelievable. Rivali's uh, uh, theme is great. The King's theme at the beginning, which is mm. like musically very complicated. I still haven't really figured out what time signature it's in and I am a musician um it it's the music is just mind-blowing to me 
Yeah. yeah, it's it's so mm-hmm. great, uh, and I love that they present the music in several different ways. Um, like it could be a dynamic piece where like you're just in a field and you may not even hear music, but then suddenly like if a guardian catches you with its sights, you hear the guardian like alert theme come in. Or I just noticed I didn't really spend much time on horses in this either playthrough. But just the other day, I noticed that when I would get on a horse, it would sort of play that more playful. Yes. Which is just Mm. so magical feeling. So Mm -hmm. I just like that they will use um, uh, music in different ways, whether it's like overtly playing a boss theme over one of the boss when blight ganon or whatever or something more subtle that's just playing in the background yeah nick were you about to share something yeah yeah i think you and heather knocked it out of the park like i love how i feels like there's someone composing my gameplay yeah like uh, you, you know if you go to a you know a mm-hmm. special showing of lord of the rings and they'll have an orchestra <laughs> like compose the music live it feels like i have a pair of dueling pianos that are sitting in my living room because like like heather said you are on that you know you have that beautiful uh horse melody that's playing where it's like which is i think exclusively piano on that which is also unusual for a score that has full orchestra for most of it yeah. and it, it, it's got some synthy sounds that come in and out but for the most part they're it's legit orchestra well, well the synthy sounds play up when you come across a guardian so you right. have the beautiful staccato of a piano that's playing right. as you wander through a field and then you hear the slight like synthetic electric keyboard like the you hear the guardian theme start to kind of step on the toes yeah. of the, the field theme and it's just this like beautiful give and take of music that is just reactive to how you navigate and how you explore which is awesome yeah but if the game also like taps into old school final fantasy style melodies where you are hearing like rivoli's theme you have light motifs for each of the characters where they have their own signature theme so when you hear rivoli's theme Mm -hmm. you know rivoli's about to come around the corner which is cool Mm -hmm. the fact that not only do you have like interesting silhouettes of characters visually but you also have their light motif their recurring theme that comes back over and over where you're just like oh this kind of cements them as this dramatic character even though honestly there's not that much characterization for all of the other champions but like it still it it does a lot of heavy lifting when story storytelling is lacking i would say which is what it should do which is is, that's what that companion piece is for it reinforces them it reinforces them yeah yeah it's it's yeah it's amazing. I, uh, I listen it's to the music. A, it's a, such a smart, like, and yeah. it, oh, man, now I'm going on a tangent, but it feels like uh, it even, like, I, I'm looking at the composer. Uh, I believe his name is Hajime Wakai. And um, he not only had the arduous task of making music for Breath of the Wild, you know, a franchise that has over, you know, 20 plus entries at this point, he not only made original. He's not only composed an original score, but he also found a way to tap into a lot of the original themes that Koji Kondo, the homie himself, mm-hmm. established with the original Legend of Zelda, with Ocarina yeah. of Time. When we hear Zelda's lullaby, that kind of... In the um, castle, and it's played, uh, I think, by a harpsichord. It's oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. Cool. 
or if you're wandering around Hatano Village, you can hear the themes of, or no, I'm sorry, in, in Kakariko Village, you hear the themes of the original Kakariko Village, mm-hmm. but it, it doesn't distract. It doesn't say, this is the old theme you love. It's like right. a nice twist to it that feels like very woodwindsy. Um, like, I think there's a great use of woodwinds in this game because so much of it is about breath and about wind. So I think that you have a lot of flutes, you have a lot of clarinets, mm-hmm. and that really kind of comes together to like the, the music is an extension of the environment which is I awesome. I have not thought of that you just blew my mind a little bit the the heavy presence of woodwinds in a in a breath of oh, the wild it, it, game. Yeah. I think it's very similar to Wind Waker in that yeah. where it's, it's very reliant oh. on winds and just like breath as you know life and something that kind of brings everyone together it's really mm-hmm. neat. Yeah uh, and I guess similarly, I'll just, I'm going to use that to pivot us towards just uh, briefly admiring like the visuals of the game, which we've kind of talked about, but it is similar to Wind Waker in the sense that it kind of, it does use cell shading and, um, you know, Nintendo's power, Nintendo's consoles are famously underpowered compared to their, uh, contemporaries, at least, you know, after the, N64 and of course the N64 and PlayStation had different pros and cons Mm -hmm. but ever since the GameCube it's been a little underpowered actually the cube was pretty strong basically since the Wii it's been kind of undisputably Nintendo's home consoles have had not had the same graphical capabilities as others including the Switch I mean also it's a home and portable console so you have to be able to play it you know at 1080p and also at 720 um, but this game, the, I think it's just a testament to the art style and the art direction that like they smartly picked an art style that was going to work for them. Not only that, but like they used it in the most beautiful way. Like it looks, this has been said many times before, but it just looked, the whole game looks like a painting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. the, they, the design on it is, is, is beautiful. Is mm-hmm. Yeah. I could look at any still of it and think, what nice art that is. Yeah, I, I at the end of my playthrough today, before I stopped, the last thing I did was like I flew to the bottom of this like hill that I was about to climb, some area that on my map I hadn't been to, and I just like stopped. I flicked the camera up at, and just so you could see like in front of Link, you can't see him. It was like behind his back. Just above him is this cascade of mountains with the light like shining through. And I was just like, how does every little corner of this game so be beautiful? Yeah. Uh, and the lighting, of course, as well is just it's just so great. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a it's a testament to strong just art direction. Like I don't care how how many pixels you can jam onto a screen in 8K HDR. Like <laughs> the thing that will win every time is art direction, mm-hmm. a strong cohesive right. look that even though Breath of the Wild has so many different biomes, so many different villages, each with their own unique personality and all visually different like they're strikingly different they all look like they belong in the same world which is what our world looks like i think i think a lot of breath of the wild is modeled after various regions of japan and so like if you are wandering around hatano village yeah. it really feels like you know old school kyoto it, it, it like if you're wandering in the the woods it, you know it's you know it just 
looks like something that would have been in farmlands in Japan. Um, I, my favorite village in the game that you don't even have to go to as part of the main story is Lorellan Village, yes. which is deep in the south and it has like a beautiful beach. It's like a beach mm-hmm. uh, based mm-hmm. like the little yeah. fisherman's village. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, that place is so it's great. It's very striking of something that feels very like Philippines, maybe even like something like Mexico, where it feels like this is a, a village that relies on the ocean for its economy and it like the fact that you have something that you can tell oh this is where the fishermen live this is where the towns this is where the city folk live like <laughs> that's really cool and i it's just it, again it feels like a ghibli world where i just mm-hmm. it feels fully lived in and i'm like someone designed this in a specific way because this is just you know because of the environment this is how hot it gets so they have to live in huts or whatever it's really neat yeah, uh, the the uh, the attention to detail is just uh, it just goes such a long way in so many little areas of the game. It's like if I was trying to design in anything, I don't know how I would have like covered all the bases as well as they did. It's uh, fantastic. Um, b- before we, I kind of want to wrap up our discussion in a little bit. Uh, I know we've been going for two hours now, so thank you guys for sticking with me. Um, but I'm honestly really happy to do a big meaty episode like this before we move on to kind of like what we see next for the, not just the sequel to this game, but like following up in games in general, because this Mm. game did so much so well that games borrow from now. Um, any other thoughts about this game itself that any of you didn't get to touch on anything that you guys wanted to wrap up before we talk about sort of moving forward it's trash send it away mm. cool <laughs> send it away with the eagle <laughs> i've been uh, lying the whole time i mean i could the first the oh, first moment that you uh glide the first time you glide that's it oh and uh the first time you see a dragon Oh my gosh! Uh, it's it's uh, so cool, but so I gotta scary. Pick, I gotta pick a third thing. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess the first time you see a guardian, mm. just those yeah. moments, nice. Uh, just blew my mind. That's that's it. That's all I gotta say. Uh, uh, another blew my mind moment. The first blood moon. Mm. Oh my gosh! I mm-hmm. that that was a like, am I okay in my own home? I just, it's so spooky how they bring it up. The, the first time, so normally when that happens, a blood moon, I feel like I'm usually in a safe spot where I'm not like in an area that a bunch of enemies are going to be regenerated in. Today, I was doing that uh, that one quest on Eventide Island. Oh yeah, you know where for the listener, like you you. Like go all the way out to this island off of the south sh- southeast shore, I believe, and basically this like voice talks to you and strips you of your powers, and you have to like do three quick objectives there. But essentially, is that maybe the you best get, you part of, of the whole game? <laughs> I feel it's, like it that is. island. It's pretty awesome and special. It's pretty uh, great. Like so, you don't have any of your resources. It's pretty. It's pretty good. Uh, you don't have any of your resources. None of your weapons. None of your armor. None of your food. You sort. It's sort of like a microcosm of the game. Almost. You have to find a sp- find weapons. Whether they're they're usually very low underpowered. But anyway, um, 
as I was going through this, I had done like a third of the island, had like replaced one of the orbs, and then I had cleared out half of the enemies, and the blood moon happened, and they all regenerated right around me. And it was it was kind oh, no. of on one hand I was like ugh, but also I was like, you know what? This is the first time this has happened, and bring it on. Yeah, and it's yeah. sort of like accepting yeah. the challenge. I'm um, ready. Yes, uh, Nick, I feel like you were going to share something a bit ago. Uh, Evan Tide Island rules. Yes, uh, that that's the one where it strips you, and it feels like Castaway, where it's just like, yeah. all right, just me and versus nature, which is great. Yeah, um, and I'm not, I'm not going to go on too long about it, but I just wanted to tap into how awesome uh, Ganon's castle or Hyrule Castle is. Yes, because like every like a lot of the areas surrounding the castle if you talk to villagers i know that you can get a couple side quests where one dude's like hey i'm a chef but i left my cookbook in the hyrule (laughs) castle kitchen do you want to maybe go get it for me and then there's like another person who talks about like hey rumor has there's been this legend that there's like this really badass shield in the basement of the dungeon of the castle like i don't know if you can get it but that'd be pretty cool if you could and so like the game does a good job of like talking up the castle and telling you like how many different secrets there are and so when you finally get there you're like oh there's the cookbook oh my gosh there's the there's the hillian shield and and so like it just does a good job of uh like in any good movie you always talk up the bad guy before you see the bad Mm -hmm. guy and this is very much in that same vein where you are talking up the end area and then when you finally get there you feel like the legend has been built up now it's time to see if it's actually true which is awesome like it's such a smartly designed final dungeon and Mm -hmm. i hope i have a strong suspicion that breath of the wild 2 a lot of the dungeons are going to be very similar to that castle Mm -hmm. okay um, well, Do you know something? No, I don't. This, this is just this is me speculating. You I cried when something. I saw the Breath of the Wild Oh my god, me too. <laughs> oh my god, I am like a psychopath with this sequel. Once a week, I I, I go. I wonder if there are any new rumors out and I scour <laughs> the internet and there, the answer is usually no. Yeah. Uh, it's usually like theories, and I'll read those just to like scratch the itch um and then i'll go okay this is ridiculous heather you're not gonna get any news until there's real news and then like the next week i'll be like yeah but what if there's something now (laughs) every week i know we're not getting it this year i know it (laughs) Uh, never put that stuff out when you want it right uh well this is like we're perfectly you guys are doing the work for me let's just transition (laughs) to talking about like the sequel to talk about what we not only what could come next but what we hope could come next in the sequel and in and what it could build off of that the first game does so well as you were saying as you both were just touching on over a year ago now at the last e3 that we ever had um to end the presentation <laughs> ever forever i know yeah, right rest well, in pc3 yeah i know i guess next year they're allegedly still scheduling it but we'll see um at the end of the presentation for Nintendo, they dropped the Breath of the Wild 2 trailer with, uh, to summarize it, I mean, there is, we see a lot of Link and Zelda underground, some like being wakes up, there's a lot more that happens, but... Zelda's got a spunky haircut. Spunky oh, haircut. Yeah. Big fan. Big fan. Big fan. Um, what? Pants? You, She's wearing pants. Oh, yeah. Killer pants. Um, do any of you have any specific hopes or... Or even speculations that you think might happen with this next game, or things that you want the this game to build on, whether it's the gameplay or the story or whatever. 
I'll hang back because, like I said, I've read every theory. <laughs> I'm, I'm very much in Heather's vote. So uh, maybe, Mikey, you go first. And then <laughs> we don't want to taint your perception of what it could be. I think <laughs> I think I maybe kind of want like Eventide Island, the game. I don't know if that's mm. crazy mm. to say, but I kind of uh, I liked that so much and it did feel like a microcosm and as soon as you said microcosm i was like what's the macro of this uh so yeah maybe that but like (laughs) that kind of conceptually explored like um uh i guess less of even the initial like here are your tools but like the tools are out there you even have to find those and kind of uh build a game around Mm that um but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I, um, it feels crazy to expect more from, from yeah. this <laughs> For real. Yeah. Game. What more can so, they possibly give us? Yeah. I don't know. I'm sure I'll be stoked with whatever mm-hmm. it is. Uh, I, I hope so, I will anyway. Yeah. I'm here for the theories that we're going to get some Zelda gameplay. Oh yeah, uh, and I think that's awesome, and I hope that's I hope that's part of it. Even if it's just like when you go in a dungeon, she takes the lead, or I'll, I'll take it. Totally, it'd be great um, if that was like a co-op mode or something too, and you could play right? explore oh, Hyrule no. with a friend. Like that'd be awesome. Oh my god! I mean, that's a dream. That'd be crazy. Two people throwing I, I, bombs around, exploding them. I was. I'm gonna second that, and also I got uh, Trials of Mana. And it's a remake of the original, the Saiken Densetsu uh, 3 for the Super Nintendo, yeah. where you could play that. It's an action RPG oh, that yeah. is two-player. Yeah. And it's not two-player in the fucking remake. Yeah. And it's so <laughs> oh, sad and frustrating. Yeah. What a disappointment. Uh, so, yeah, that would be amazing uh, if, you, if they had an option like that for the new Zelda. Yeah. That'd be sweet. I think uh, if we were, I've done a, like Heather, I've done a lot of reading about (laughs) speculation, forming my own theories. But in the trailer, you do see like a creature that feels like he's, it's been enslaved. And I think that in Breath of the Wild at the very end of the game, you fight Ganondorf. Mm -hmm. Or I'm sorry, you fight Ganon. You fight Ganon, who is the spiritual embodiment of evil like this this evil entity that has possessed a body but we only fought the entity <clears throat> i'm very much of the opinion that the thing we saw in breath of the wild 2 was ganondorf Same. the the actual oh. man because in the uh what's the name of the tribe that inhabits the desert again i can't remember gerudo the gerudo every hundred years in the gerudo like history one male is born and in ocarina of time that male is ganondorf who takes the castle and does the bad stuff. We so are a hundred years later now. I am, I am very much of the opinion this is the same Breath of the Wild world where we see Ganondorf, the kind of the source and the like the unwilling, maybe hopefully unwilling vessel for this evil entity. Yep. So I hope they do something interesting when it comes to the bad guy because that's never been handled particularly. It's always like, okay, you're the bad guy. Right. But it, imagine if you were possessed by Satan and it's like, oh shit, like... You're just a human 
but you also mm. are the vessel for this evil entity. <laughs> yes, so we have to kill sympathetic you. villain. So there, there'd be something interesting there. Um, also, in the original Breath of the Wild concept art, they toyed around with a lot of different ideas for what Link could look like and what what kind of um, I guess character design could lend itself to mechanics. And one of the things they toyed around with is having Link lose his arm in his like initial... Like in Princess Mononoke! Yeah, exactly. He he loses his arm in that initial battle. When you see when you collect all the memories, you see him die, essentially, and uh, Princess Zelda says, like, okay, put him in the Shrine of Resurrection so he can come back at the beginning of Breath of the Wild. And so, originally he was supposed to lose his arm there, and when he got brought back to life, he would have had Sheikah like a, a oh. Sheikah robotic arm that would have interacted with the environment in the way the tablet does. And okay. one of the prominent pieces of like visual imagery in the trailer is Link's arm like glowing and like something bad looks like it's going to happen to Link's arm. So because this game is so like visually inspired by Princess Mononoke, the dude gets possessed by an evil god and it forces him to like get a super buff arm randomly, like so strong that he'll accidentally shoot the head off a dude with his bow and arrow. So I hope there's like some like Link not only having to deal with this evil entity possessing his body, but also Ganondorf like if Link is dealing with a personal demon, how interesting would it be if he's also the foil or his villain is dealing with a similar thing? Yeah. Yeah. I know um, uh, I, 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 my, my, my prediction theory is similar but different. Um, it's still expanding on the Princess Mononoke. I, th- I feel like there's so many ties to the magic arm from Princess Mononoke between the concept art for Breath of the Wild and how that trailer looks. I think that's definitely going to be a feature. I don't, I I will be surprised if it's not, but, um, I, uh, uh, I've read a lot of theories that are that, that green hand that's holding Ganon down is keeping him down as opposed to, you know, uh, being its own evil force. Mm -hmm. Um, and this is the theory that I love. If the what's happening in the in the trailer, um, uh, the, the three pieces of the Triforce are Zelda, Link, and Ganon. It's right. it's uh, courage, wisdom, and power, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, uh, uh, the theory. I don't remember if I read this or I, I filled in the gaps or both or little. Um, they. Um, is that in looking for whatever is still kind of messing with Hyrule, wherever this calamity is coming from, uh, by Zelda and Link going together, they've accidentally reunited the Triforce. And that's why everything goes crazy. And that hand is like, we're about to lose Link, we can't, and it's going to save him, but it's accidentally like also infusing with him. And because the hand is like, oh no, Link's about to die. That's why Ganon gets loose. Because it let go for a minute. I like, do you think we're going to be in the same Hyrule? Because at the end of the trailer, we see the castle Hyrule lift off the ground and float into the sky. Yeah, I think we're going to get a lot of the same Hyrule, but obviously I think we're going to get 
bunch of underground stuff. We might get some sky stuff. I think Hopefully we'll dungeons. spend some time in in the same map because also they have it built already. So it would, yeah, I, if that's I, the it, easiest part. It's very much a Majora's Mask situation because yeah. this is the only time like outside of Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask. Also, timeline wise that like they're like, well, we already have the assets. We know how to work them better. What if we yeah. just made a better game totally yeah. oh here's the other piece of that theory why that yes. that green hand is maybe a good thing and then it mm. is kind of like an asset to link is it's the coloring and the design is very similar again i didn't play twilight princess so this is only me like retroactively looking it up but very oh. much like what's her name that comes midna. out midna the midna. twilight oh my god it looks like the twilight yeah you're yes. right and it's all and the nails on it are all long <laughs> and everything blowing i'm mind. wondering if that's her hand <laughs> and the long nails are like she's been down there forever oh, just shoot. like trying to play her part and we're gonna get some twilight realm yeah oh my gosh i'm in in. we're gonna we gotta we're gonna fly you to uh, nintendo of japan right now and make sure this is happening heather uh man all these every all the speculation you two just laid out was like all i could ever kind of hope for yeah i think and and what you're talking about is like expanding on the story a bit like i did like the story a lot in this game um but it it, and the way it was fed to us actually i thought really worked which is like you get to experience you know certain memories but make the story yourself Mm -hmm. but i'm excited to see zelda and link together maybe learn more about their relationship but i'm not gonna like put all my hopes there yeah um hoping for zelda play uh hoping for all sorts of stuff uh and you know hopefully next year it'll come out i would assume if it was coming out this christmas that or like holiday season that we would have heard but then again we don't know beyond speculating about nintendo's 35th or mario's 35th anniversary anything that nintendo's doing besides mario on friday it it, pre-pandemic it looked possible that they were going to get the this christmas release mark um they they you know so famously end up delaying everything anyway but Mm. uh it, it almost looked like they were turning that corner, and now who can even say? There yeah. was recently... Okay, so on my weekly hunt for leaks, though, <laughs> <laughs> um, they're almost definitely going to re- release it with the new, uh, the new version of the Switch. But um, a couple of the actor... The voice actors for the Spanish dub of the new game accidentally admitted that they finished recording for Breath of the Wild mm. and then like really tried to backpedal and we're like, actually, you know, uh, we'll record a glide so we get them all out of context. I don't even know if it was Zelda. <laughs> uh, oh. And they <laughs> usually don't record uh, alternate language dubs until after the whole thing's more or less done. Okay. If, if, I have, if I can have my cake and eat it too, I think we would get... I'm going to say, I, again, I don't know anything. I truly <laughs> do not know nah, anything. You know. I think we're, we're going to get a Nintendo Direct either this month or in August with a trailer that is an announcement date. And I think it's going to be spring 2021. Ooh, four years <sighs> later. You know what? I'll ju- I'm just happy I'll to take know. It. Yeah. I think. I think. I don't know. Again, I truly don't know. Nintendo is one of those companies that actually doesn't tell 
anyone in the at like media outlets anything. Right. It's all just the like expect to get an email on this day. For for the E3 where Breath of the Wild 2 was announced, they had filled in some of the people who oversee the productions for E3 of hmm. IGN's E3 and they're like yeah, this is all the stuff that Nintendo's going to do, blah, 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 blah. But they never mentioned the Breath of the Wild 2 trailer. They made, that, they made they sure that was knew. a surprise. They knew they were sitting on this giant bomb. And so I remember being in our E3 like war room because E3 is basically the time that that is like IGN's like, oh, this is when this is when we have to do our job. Yeah. And I just remember <laughs> like, OK, the, the conference is done. I'm going to go back to work because I'm usually very frantic and like, OK, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. But I remember like as I was walking out of the room where everyone everyone's like gathered in this giant like cafe cafeteria almost outside the LA convention center where we have on a big screen the the live conferences playing and I remember leaving that to get back to my like uh, workstation and then they said one more thing and I was like wait what and then it oh. all happened and everyone lost their GD oh my mind. gosh of it was, course oh my god the room was electric it was uh, so cool I, oh. I Nick I first off that E3 was wonderful specifically I, I love Nintendo's presentation so much we got like the Banjo Kazooie reveal, which mm-hmm. I had hoped for forever. We got a bunch of stuff, but like I, I remember as soon as that trailer started, you couldn't exactly tell what it was, uh-huh. but then, but then you started to see little details and like the wisp of that blue stuff, and then you see Zelda and Link. And, you're and like, I remember texting Nick immediately afterwards, and I had like tears in my eyes, and I was like, I can't believe this is happening. Uh, well, and either way, someday we're going to get this game. Yeah. Uh, I would be confident to say that there's not going to be a world where it never comes out. Um, but there's a lot. Say that. I know. Sorry, <laughs> sorry to even put that out there. We're getting this game someday and uh, we'll all have to chat and see what we think. But yeah. um, would it be perfect much... if they put it out tomorrow? Like Ugh, what a pandemic us? gift that would be yeah. to oh be like, gosh, we're all man. home. We're all working weird hours. Right. Might as well give us something to do. Uh, yeah, that, anyway. you know, Heather, that would be great if that happened. <laughs> um, well, you know, that pretty much, uh, that feels like that kind of wraps up our conversation. So um, <laughs> before we go ahead and plug anything that you guys would like to, I do want to thank you so much again for not just uh, talking to me, but taking like two and a half hours out of your <laughs> evening. It uh, means a lot. You three are three of my favorite people. Um, so thank you so much for talking about one of the greatest games ever. Um as far as wrapping up and plugs and stuff, uh, why don't we just go around? Heather, do you want to start for us? <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> plugs in this time. Uh, yeah, to plug, um, uh, not a lot happening <laughs> right now. I, I, I used to uh, be on TV occasionally. Right. I uh, write for things for TV occasionally. <laughs> I no longer. Uh, you used to be able to see me on stage if you were in the Los Angeles area. Yeah. That's not. Um, if you Google me, you'll find some past stuff I'm really proud of. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's about it. Uh, hey, I love it. We'll list all that on the show notes. <laughs> I've, got a, I've got a booming Animal Crossing island, if you're interested Ooh. in, in friending oh, me. We should exchange nice. uh, switch codes. I don't think we're friends. Yes, please. We'll have to do that. Um, well, thanks again for being here, Heather Woodward. You're the uh, best. Uh, Nick the pleasure Ramon. is mine. Where do you, where should we find you, Nick? What do you want us to know about you? Uh, you just uh, follow me on whatever social media you use: Twitter, uh, Instagram, at Advent Nick. 
that's what I'm at. Otherwise, uh, I do a video game like comedy variety show every week. Uh, it's called uh, Cyber Garbage TV over at twitch.tv slash Cyber Garbage TV. We also have our own Patreon, Cyber Garbage, patreon.com slash Cyber Garbage, mm. where we basically do a video game book club every week because we are in a pandemic and that's really all that we can do is play video games and then talk about them at length oh. for way too long um but other than that that's about it otherwise i'm a producer on ign so if you want to watch any videos with me in it be nice to me in the comments <laughs> <laughs> oh, i love it uh and then mr mikey stevens tell us the things oh man i ain't got shit man <laughs> that's Ain't shit going on, well, hey. man. Uh, hey. uh, uh, listen to the Call Me By Your Game podcast. Oh, you. Uh, listen to uh, Video Games and Comedy Show, uh, sister podcast of this Wait, podcast. Wait, how much did Connor and Jeremy uh, pay you to say that? So much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, f- follow me on social at Mikey Loves Mikey. That's it. That's all I got. Yeah. I Thank forgot. You, I'm on. I'm only on Instagram right now. I'm at at Woodward Heather, um, and I forgot one last plug. Um, yes. If you've got Disney Plus, Hamilton streaming now, uh, full original cast. <laughs> uh, that is a callback from two Bring hours ago. <laughs> full circle for us, Heather. Uh, I had nothing to do with it, uh, but it's a great show. You should see it. It's a there great, we go. great filming of a great show. There we go. I, I knew we were going to plug Hamilton at some point on this show. Yep. Um, thank you all again for doing this. Um, this show is produced by the great Jeremy Schmidt. You can find him on Twitter at Ocarina of Crime, on Instagram at Scaremy Schmidt. Like Mikey <laughs> said, you should listen to his wonderful, more roundtable style podcast, Video Games, a comedy show. Uh, I've got some, we just hit the 100th episode for that. Got some more fun stuff coming out. Um, you can follow me on social media at Connor underscore McCabe. I occasionally stream on Twitch at Twitch. Twitch.tv slash cons is cool 69. Uh, and do me a favor and check out the new Patreon we've got for us. It's super, it's patreon.com slash super NPC radio. We are doing like way too much content that's going on there. So if you're interested, um, this, this exact sort of show you can get uh, by subscribing. So t- take a look, see if you're interested. Um, thank you so much for listening to the call me by your game podcast and we'll see you on the next one.